we're back. Yeah, out of practice. I'll tell you what, out of COVID fever dream, though. Mm. I was liking everything. Everything I watched. <laughs> everything, everything was good. Everything was good. Like, everything everywhere all at once? <laughs> everything was, I should have watched it. That would have been, yeah. this, this, this been the time. Yeah. Oh, I he failed. I failed. failed on that, and I failed on Babylon. Those were my mm. two. So yeah, two, two movies from last year I needed to catch up on that uh... mm. but no no instead it had to be like trying to watch Academy Academy movies yep Gucci and all them but, but you know even second time yeah. I'll tell you all these movies I hate to sound like an old man they're too damn long hey, oh, oh my what? god yeah why, why is Bad Boys 2 two and a half hours long Jesus <laughs> Christ that's crazy that is like dude I was even old man zone here entering the old man zone we're we're both over 30 we're old men we're yeah. uh our hair is gray we're uh we t- we drank from the wrong chalice uh i saw uh saw dial of destiny and a fun time of the movies for the most part but that's also a movie that's two and a half hours long what, here. what, are, what is going on with this i watched <laughs> evil dead rise the other night and i think half the reason i thought it was masterful was it was 95 minutes long like <laughs> truly a feat if you can make a movie just get in get out like show me some disgusting stuff yeah (laughs) like i'm I'm satisfied man i don't need to know the backstory of uh you know these zombies i don't need to know why this necronomicon's about we got the we've got the goods we just want the the, the spooks and goofs Spooks and goofs and goop. Hello and welcome to the award-winning podcast the academy academy the show is show I haven't done this in a while. Show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven. Could hate this performance. Your favorite actor was Steve Korea. I'm Don Saunderson. Uh, that's a me, Patrick Grevion. And Don, I'm sorry. I sold the, my part of the podcast. Oh, uh, this is what? No, 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 no. We only own 49% of the Academy Academy. Uh. To our Italian <laughs> listeners, that was not a spoof no, on you, your culture, you and your beautiful no, culture. Your culture that was good. a spoof and goof on something that you might feel yeah. was a spoof and goof on your beautiful culture. <laughs> that, yeah, they, some performances that would uh, politely be called uh, Mario and Luigi esque. Uh, yeah. The Super Mario Brothers movie and Chris Pratt were more culturally sensitive. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Chris Pratt. Well, Chris Pratt went to it went to Italy, immersed himself in the culture for eight True. months. Yeah, <laughs> like he worked. Uh, he worked as a pasta man for eight he, months. He killed so many turtles with his bare hands. It yeah. was you know you had to get into that character. You had to understand. Okay, look, I'm from Italy. I. I kill turtles with my bare hands. I'm, mar- I'm gonna, trying to. Yeah. We'll get into it later. This episode. Nobody knows what method acting is anymore. They just no. assume <laughs> that it's like, yeah, it's killing turtles with your bare hands, or like being like insanely silly, like or like it's like I think it's like I think some people equate method acting with like I'm gonna do the wildest. I'm gonna gain like a million pounds, or I'm yeah. gonna like do Shave like my head in a weird way. Yeah. I'm going to talk like pistachio disguisey for like <laughs> the next six months. I'm going to absolutely nothing to do with perhaps going to acting school and studying. None of that is no, part no. of the, you know, or like understanding no. Stanislavski yeah. or the history of what 
like yeah taking an actual like lee strasberg or any of this stuff actually was Mm -hmm. like no it's it has not no i'm not gonna take a class i understand what it is and what it is is i heard robert de niro got fat once yes and that's the um beginning middle and end of your studies that, that's literally yeah and robert and Aaron got fat once and uh, uh dustin Don, hoffman ran in the evenings while doing marathon Man. yeah like, d- uh, d- you know daniel day lewis he would only text sally field as abraham lincoln yeah he'd only text... that, abraham lincoln use cell phones yeah he does it's <laughs> <laughs> one of the craziest ever reading that that's like oh that is a headline of an article i read where it was like daniel day lincoln daniel day lewis would only text uh sally field is abraham lincoln yeah <laughs> jeremy like... iron jeremy irons is like i can't die fast enough on the set of with all these lunatics <laughs> all these all these all these jokers i'm stuck yeah. with all these all these actual actual like madhouse lady gaga who yeah. like i think she like she like well she became the joker during this she had like she was well, she's she was... playing joker in the new joker she's like yeah. lady she's lady joker she's, she's lady joke she's madam jokes she's been joker jared leto's been joker <laughs> If Jack Nicholson had said no, Al Pacino definitely would have been Joker in the Tim Burton one. Oh, yeah. Al Pacino would have. Oh, my God. If we could go. No, I love Jack Nicholson as Joker. Yeah. I, oh, maybe no. just go back in time and add two Jokers. Who knows? They're that doing it fun. these days. That's there's, true. There's so many Jokers these days. You can't keep up with how many damn oh, Jokers. Man. Adam yeah. Driver's going to be a Joker. At oh, for point. sure. Yeah. You said that. I think you said this like. Two or three years ago, I can't even remember if you said this on the podcast, but I remember one time we were having a conversation about one of our first movie conversations ever, and you were like, "Joker is the new boxing movie." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're hundred percent right. A kid yeah. from Banshees of Inisherin who's doing it in the 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 news the Pattinson series, uh, Barry Keoghan, he's the new Joker. Yeah, like, he's the new Joker. It's the it's it's a yeah. If you're if you're a good act, if you're a good young actor. Your Joker. <laughs> yeah, you get to do. They want America wants to see your take on Joker. Like Lord knows, we'll get a Chalamet. I mean, I guess Wonka is kind of his Joker. Yeah, Wonka. Yeah, Wonka is the new Joker. Oh, jeez. I cannot wait. I want to see. Yeah, let's let's get fifty Wonka movies. Let's make a Wonka verse. I want. That's what yeah. America... It's like um, instead of a physical transformation, you just got to be like. I can be freaky. That's your, yeah, that's I can your be kind of silly. It's like just let these guys make like, like let's go for like. We need to def- less jokers. Let's develop more like I don't know, Walter Matthaus and Gene Hackman. Yeah, just like a movie about just like weird a... weird middle aged guys dealing with shit. Yeah, a movie about like an an old detective who he has like a an old hat, and he's called old hat detective, and he has to like solve like a, a jewel robbery. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like it's like a movie about a guy who's like I am like so tough, I've seen it all, and then something brings back his humanity, but then it's tarnished once again by the end of the movie. It's like oh, it's <laughs> worse, like. Yeah, although I mean, man, we're basically talking about night moves, the Gene Hackman movie. Yeah, <laughs> let's, go, let's go return. Let's do some night moves. Although, man, I will say, like, saw some of the trailers before Dial of Destiny, and they were kind of gearing towards um before Dial of Destiny, and they were gearing towards like an older audience. And so I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, we're seeing some like not like Marvel-y movie. I'm not seeing like the Blue Beetle trailer for like the 500th time, but uh, the the movies they're so generic. Like I saw like a trailer for like Liam a Liam Neeson movie 
yeah, called Retrib- Retribution. The name yeah. of it's right. It's like I'm in a car and the car has a bomb, and then you have to like watch your best. <laughs> Retribution. Retribution could have been the name of the last like 18 Liam Neeson movies too. And it's like we can do. We have to do better because like Liam Neeson. We're wasting Liam Neeson here. Folks. I know. Yeah. We, Liam Neeson. I looked up. He's 71. Wow. Insane. Like, he looks we, 50. That's crazy. Know, he, 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 Scares he me. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. But, all I'm saying, folks, is like Liam Neeson. Yeah, you're, you're we're wasting Liam Neeson. He's a, yeah. He's, well, and also this guy, was in, is, this guy was in Schindler's List. He's a great yeah. actor. And also, like, to your point, like the the 71 thing, like, man, you wanna that's the other thing too, is I noticed all the trailers were like it was like Nicolas Cage. That, have you seen that trailer for the new where it's like him and Ron Perlman? Another like guys all in their late sixties. Like we got a new one left. There's a lot of these like guys in their late sixties doing one last uh, stand. You know, we're trotting out all these guys who we love. <laughs> we Don't love get me wrong, them. we love we these love guys. We're trotting them out like on fumes because they're all doing action movies so on fumes. Yes, like, on fumes. like and then not, there's Spendables Four. Not develop. Yeah, I know. Oh my god. Saw the trailer to that too. It's like what? There's this part in Dial of Destiny, man. Like it's a good, it's a fun movie, and I want to. I can't wait to hear you take it up. But there's a part now. I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a part where it looks like Harrison Ford just wants to be done. It's like let him sleep, let him. Let this man. This man is the best. He's given us incredible. I love him. He's the great. The reason we're doing this is he is the greatest, like action star star. Of my youth. He's yes! the king of kings. He played the two greatest action roles. He got both of them. All time. Of all time. All time. <laughs> the best ones. No one else has had a career like that. He's in, <laughs> like, Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably the greatest, like, action adventure movie ever made. 10 out of 10. Of 10 out of 10, like. 11 perfect. out of 10, even. Yeah. Like, it still slaps so hard. He's so charming, so hunky, so much fun, so believable. All of it. Mm-hmm. Let the man get high. Yes. And buzz and buzz golf courses with his, like, Cessna. Like, <laughs> like he's earned this right. right? Yes. Let him just, like, have movies. Have, let him star in movies called Weed Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> where is that? Like, like Seth Rogen, can you, like, get on the horn? Like, yes, have him play Seth Rogen's. Like, you think he's gonna like be a serious? Pineal- Pineapple Express sequel, but like Team Seth instead of James Franco, Team Seth with Weed Grandpa. Pineapple Grandpa. That's Pineapple under- Grandpa. Well, you can have the idea for free. Hundred percent. That's a million dollars right there in the bank. So, oh my god. Anyway, folks, we we are back this week. We are come. Mm. We are back. With our man Ridley Scott. This week's episode is entitled Global and Local Crimes Part 2. All the money in the world at House of Gucci. These don't exactly line up with the timeline of Scott. Because there is a movie between these two that came out. That we'll mm-hmm. cover in a couple weeks. Uh, but Patrick, I think you and I can both agree. These two deserve to be paired together. Oh yeah. Uh, but before we get to them, I got two interesting pieces of Academy Academy News. Ooh. Academy Academy News. In the news. So this week, I discovered there's a remake of Academy Academy favorite, The River Wild, that just what? came out. Yeah. Somehow. Oh. Somehow. No. Just emerged out of thin air. It stars Adam uh, Brody 
Adam, is that his name? Oh, the guy from the OC. Yeah, yes. Wow. Okay. I mean, you know what? Uh, he, OC was great in its time. He's in the. I, yeah, I've never seen it. I. It was always like we had this running gag at the house I lived in in college when it was on the air that we were like big OC fans but knew nothing about it. So we'd tell people, oh, "I love that show." <laughs> like I don't <laughs> know why, how, or how that got started. It was on. Um, oh, because it was. They always played commercials for it. We watched Twenty Four in our college house <laughs> and oh, we yeah. both, they always play like this time of the oc it's like wow that seems very intriguing whatever's going on in the oc yeah. um but listen to this cast so it's got adam brody who plays the role of trevor um <laughs> leighton meester oh. who's also a tv person uh and taryn killam from saturday oh. Night live are all in this thing um I don't know what the hell it's <laughs> showed up out of nowhere. It's on Netflix, I guess. Oh, Came man. out August first. Okay, I, I will say I'm looking at the I'm looking at the poster for it, and I'm I'm liking um, Taron Killam with a beard. That's so an interesting I, look. It gives him like ten years. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. It does it, which is like honestly, some actors need that because he's like yeah. a bit of a baby face. Yeah. Some actors need it. so it, it, it seems sight unseen. He seems to be playing John C. Riley. Uh, Brody seems to be playing Kevin Bacon, and Leighton Meester seems to be playing Meryl Streep. Oh, but then who's the Jason Statham? That's an important. Oh no, uh, Dathan's David Straight there. <laughs> Although Straight there, David Straight. I, I, I do like like who's the, oh boy, that should be in every movie. But who's the Jason Statham role? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, the, oh, oh, I'm just a nerd. I'm just a nerd. I'm just a damn nerd. I'm just a regular. Mo- I'm a Montana River Rafter. Are you? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's playing David Strather and Meryl Streep's nerd husband. Except yes. in the modern era, it's like his nerd husband is like this fifty-year-old jacked mixed martial artist. Like, <laughs> I do typo when I'm not working on my biology courses. Uh, I'm a I'm a genetic researcher, but I'm also a middleweight champion. <laughs> I've also killed the bag. <laughs> yeah, 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 twice. It's a river. Oh no! It's another Meg. Yeah, no. It's a river Meg. I didn't even think that was possible. <laughs> the river Meg. Oh, the river Meg. Part three. You can have that idea too, folks. Man, <laughs> like... just idea factories. Million uh, dollar. So let us know via our email. We'll give it to you early this time around. The Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com or Twitter at the Academy If you want us to watch this 2023 reimagining of the River Wild and talk about it, we it's not on the agenda, but it sounds fascinating. I yeah, deeply. Those are you know, I I curious. I am curious. I'm a little afraid, but curious. And yeah. like, hey, you know what? If it ushers in a Terran Killamsons, who knows? That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Yeah, this this movie screams like a just a wild out of nowhere TV movie. I'm interested. Yeah, a, a little closer to the home now. A little more recent news. Ridley Scott gave an interview where he um said he should have directed Blade Runner 2049 instead of Alien Covenant when he was yeah. faced with the option. Hmm. And Ridley, I don't know about this. You're I love that you're an old man who says whatever the hell you feel like. Yeah. Why not? You've earned it. You've been doing this a long ass time. A few reasons why I disagree with this. One, don't down, don't downplay Alien Covenant. Yeah, it was good. Well, maybe it wasn't a smash. 
maybe wasn't your best movie. But I, I just did. I just looked at the Ridley Scott rankings in my book. You got it mm. right there in the middle. It's, it's hanging out in the middle zone. Yeah. Of your movies. Well, if we were like to rank it by parts, uh, like or portions of movie, uh, all the or, or just characters in movies, the David stuff, it's a win. Yeah. Big, big no. thumbs up. Big win. You and yeah. So it's kind of a slap in the face to the hard work of everyone in Covenant to Covenant fans. And all that kind of thing. Two, maybe even bigger slap in the face to Denny Villeneuve, who probably did a better job than you would have done. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, for like, yeah, as much as that movie can be. Also, you know what? Maybe in like a world that didn't even need to be. Okay, I, I guess I the question would be, are either of those two movies yet? Were they necessary ever in the first place? I mean, I think Alien Covenant a little more. I could be, although, like, I don't know. There is stuff I do really like in 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 uh, in both films. Just like talking about Twenty Forty Nine with my brother, and he was like, "It gets better each time you watch Twenty Forty Nine." I will say that I like Ryan Gosling's. I remember being kind of annoyed with his arc the first time I watched it, and the second time around, I was I kind emotionally of... compelled. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! When he's like. You know, that classic, and it's like a meme now, the him looking, you know, with the, yeah. the bandage on his nose, and he's looking at giant... Uh, tears in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's good. I, I think it's a strong movie, so I think, like... But this is this goes along with Ridley Scott and his all of his director's cuts and everything like that. The guy yeah. can't let sleeping dogs lie. That that's that's see that's like a flaw of his. Uh, he's such a hard. He has to. He's always active. He always has to be doing stuff or tinkering. And I think like the downside to that is sometimes you become a guy who can't help but like you know. It's kind of like yeah. Some people have the. Like, I feel like where's other George Lucas is like that too, right? Famously with the Star Wars movies, he can't Mike, help but Michael Mann keeps going back in for a director's cuts. Mm -hmm. on his uh, stuff. Was it Phil Lord and? Uh... Uh, Lord and Miller, Mi yeah. I thought they, they were both named Chris. <laughs> oh man, I think one of them. Maybe they're both Chris. They're by both be Chris. They're some like the the Lord and Miller. The Lord and Miller gang. Lord and Miller, yeah, yeah. Lord and Miller. They uh they uh Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Okay, cool. Uh, but uh they uh I think they got like a lot of guff because apparently into the Spider Verse like. Yeah, literally, like this. there were like four or five different like releases of that movie, and they have totally different animation. And I it's think like, like they didn't understand, from what I gather, that um, a reshoot on a film set versus a reshoot in animation requires a lot different tasks to, to yeah. be taken care of, and like totally um, recreating the art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like you can't ask for like, hey, you know. Chris Pratt, give me another take. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, can't, you, can't, you can't do your Judd Apatow style improv slams or whatever. You can't like, you know, do 50. You can't do Kubrickian. Like, let's do 70 mm -hmm. versions of this. <laughs> yeah, I think like, you know, I think it, it's impossible for an artist not to like go through what if scenarios mm -hmm. in their head. Nonstop. Oh, no. I think it's like I realized four weeks ago what i could have done in my last short film mm. <laughs> that would have made it way better it's it's hard. it bums me out yeah but like it is what it is as russell buffalino once yep. said <laughs> as depeche man 
yeah, in a Mister, and you kind of have to like <laughs> accept your fate in these things. You have to yeah. have kind of like this Buddhist acceptance mindset. Uh, yeah, or else you're in big, big trouble. Yeah, you gotta be like Eric Adams. You gotta because, or you end up like one of our characters today, J.P. Getty, the first. Mm. Ooh. You know, <laughs> that it's it is a river wild. This life, <laughs> you gotta yeah. go with the water. You gotta just go with the flow. It is yeah. truly like that. Is like one of these movies. Like you look at the people that kind of at least sort of attempt to go with the flow in these movies, and they seem to be the ones that are the happiest. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, I mean, these are all obviously this week's movies that we're dealing with very, very heightened lives and characters yes um but yeah it's this is tough i mean i we alluded to it you know full disclosure you know we were on vacation the last Mm -hmm. few weeks on our time off but upon getting back from this vacation and getting ready for the pod and watching some films and everything like that uh in our in the course of our travel the family got hit with covid a second time around second time and it stinks COVID's the worst. I genuinely it is sucks. the worst. And it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. And it's not over. And you just got to do your best, though, to kind of go with the flow and, like, you just had to be like, you know, this is life, through. whatever. I mean, like... I've, been, I've been sleeping on a floor, <laughs> you know, and oh, for me, you know, I know uh, that there are people in different no. positions. That kind of no, thing. no, that was like a genuine, that sucks. Yeah. I feel bad. That, that's like a genuine, uh, we're bouncing yeah. around that. <laughs> There's a COVID cough right there. Yeah, that Give sucks. That's like really bad. Yeah, no, I feel but yeah. It's, it's like it sucks, and you just gotta try and fight and be be there for each other to survive. <laughs> Get through this yeah. thing. Hopefully, make make art, make fun things on the other side. You know, and I think that that's kind of really Scott. We were talking about how he dwells on going back in and doing these director's cuts and stuff like that. On the flip side of that, he is two sides of the same coin. He moves forward. Yeah. Simultaneously, really. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like... So I read this quote. We'll start off the episode with this. Really, Scott said, I never dwell on a problem. I only dwell on a solution. And I think that that's actually pretty groovy. I love that. You know, because it's like, that's how, kind of how you need to think about things. It's kind of, um, you know, it's tough and maybe not that reflective. Mm-hmm. Of how maybe the problem arose, but <laughs> it gets the job done. And one thing we've noticed as we kind of head toward the conclusion of the really Scott era of our show is we're looking for grander themes. Yes, theses of the show. Mm-hmm. And Patrick, you kind of um, we were texting about this mm-hmm. uh, as we were watching these two movies. Yeah. Kind of giving our thoughts and that kind of thing. And I think um you had you had said something that was pretty like pretty strong with it when it came up when it came to this entire thing, and I'm looking for it right now. <laughs> but basically it's like um oh here here here's your sentence. The work is the art to Ridley Scott. And for some people, like, you know, we're talking about, like, 
I don't know, like Ingmar Bergman, you could say it's like man's spirituality and right. God on earth. Um, Anto Antonioni, the emptiness mm -hmm. of modern times. Even somebody like Wes Anderson, you could kind of go to like father figures or Paul Thomas Anderson family. Yeah. Like um, Scorsese, crisis of faith in a faithless indeed. society or something. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in a godless world. Like yeah. looking for God in a godless world. Um, really, Scott, we don't know. Mm -mm. He bounces around. I mean, what is, what do, how do you like Thelma and Louise to someone to watch over me, to gladiator, to all to the money in the world, to yeah. a good year? What the hell does any of the matchstick man, what the hell does any of this mean? Yes. There's words. What's the, what's the thread that brings all this together, right? <laughs> and it is to really, Scott, it's work. It's the grand, it's continuing to work. Yes, he I bouncing think he... between these stories, but I also think like these two movies today also bring up what is work and what is earned work, and what do you earn by doing the work? Yeah, and and what? Yeah, what is like? Yeah, what is earned work? What do you earn? What? I'm trying to think of like and what a, do you do a... on the other side of a job well done? Yes, that is a huge. I think like what do you and yeah, and how do you use what you earn? How do you yeah, what do you do on the other side of a job well done? Because there are so many, you see so many examples of people either not doing the work and fail, flailing as a result. And you see examples of people doing the work ad infinitum to the point of disease and mental and spiritual decay. Mm -hmm. Or you see it, people trying to skip the work to get ahead to the power and the results of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because... Such... Really, Scott, we've talked about it. Go back to the earliest episode. Mm -hmm. He and Tony came from this very, like, hard scrabble, real working class. Yeah. Early turn of the, you know, I mean, they're, really, Scott was born in the mid-30s. Like, Great Depression, I mean, like, yeah, World War II. Pre, to pre-WW2. Yes. Like, upbringing in England, which was fucking bombed. I just watched Dunkirk. The entire idea was we got to keep them away because England's next. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're going to be done so. And I think, you know, to have gone from that to have gone to the world of like a good year mm -hmm. and the two we're covering today, he's seen it all. He has seen the bottom. He has mm -hmm. seen the very top in his long life. And I think what he has seen at the top, he's enjoyed the fruits of. But I think it makes him wary. I think, yeah. I think there are, like, two clear analogs for his, for, like, the Ridley Scott character. I would say in both House of Gucci and all uh, the money in the world. Yeah. And there are people that uh, their characters. We'll get into it. We'll talk about these we'll, movies. We'll, we'll but, reveal yeah. who those, what those two analogs are, because they are clear. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think we both agree. We saw it, you know, individually. Oh, but totally. We... But I think there's like, but I think the recurring theme is they're people that like, you know, kind of made their way in this world of they got themselves into the corridors of power. They're not like. You know, they're not embarrassed by the trappings of power or even disgusted by, like, the... And, and the, they enjoy quite a few elements of it. Yeah. But they also recognize, like, they also uh, have maintained their humanity and they've maintained their competence. Yeah. And competence is, competence is a big deal. 
yeah, huge. I think that's like sometimes it feels like the competence is a little more important than the humanity. Yeah, that's true. Well. <laughs> sometimes, but, but I think he he sees he sees both the the kind of like excitement and worthwhileness yeah. of the glories of wealth and power and attaining it, but also the grotesqueries and the dark side. Yeah, because he, I think he is a guy who loves the. I think he's like a. A guy who likes being in the thick of it and loves like the even the wheeling and dealing yeah. element. I think he's a dude who loves being in a fucking boardroom and being like, "Okay, this is this my is why story." He was so fucking successful as a commercial guy in the sixties. Yeah, like that's why he's so successful. Exactly, he gets, he gets that side of it too. He gets that, and he enjoys it. He like treats he treats it like a fucking job, yep. <laughs> which uh, well, which I is think, like uh, <laughs> I think I've mentioned this before, but I heard Mark Maron say this once. There are two. The key word in all of this is show business for all these people we're talking about. But mm-hmm. it's two, it's actually two words. Show and business. And you have to respect the show and the business equally if you're going to be truly successful. Sucks, but it's true. Sucks, it but sucks, it's true. Sucks, sucks but, it's, but true. it's true. It's yeah, <laughs> and it's and I and I like and it's funny because like yeah, God. I do because I do respect like the show show the showman, like the guys yeah. that are all show all no show. flow or whatever yeah like those guys rule like i want in a, in a just world there'd be like so much you know there'd be so much more space for hong sang su and things yeah. like that that would be like but like i there is like a part of me too that really likes a guy who can like really make his own and like thrive in this insane horrid environment but i also think like somebody like hong sang su and i think somebody like jim jarmusch somebody like even up to Wes Anderson's level, mm-hmm. they completely understand the business of what they need to accomplish within oh, their show. That's... If you want to be Christopher Nolan, if you want to be Steven Spielberg, if you want to be Ridley Scott, if you want to be James Cameron, though, you need to work at a little higher level. Totally. That's the, like, the yeah. ce- if you want the ceiling to be high on the show side, the ceiling needs to be high on the um, business side. That's true. And like, and that's the thing. And I think to your point, like, yeah, those people like, yeah, the Hong Sang Su's or like the, you know, the someone like Patrick Bryce or whatever, like these guys that continue to work again and again in their small little rarefied niches or whatever, they are successful at the business guide because they figured out how to make continue it work. To work their thing. Yeah. Yeah. But they also have to understand they're not going to have the um, they're never going to have the Goodyear Vineyard. Oh yeah, they're never gonna have the and, good year, and they're never yeah, they're never gonna make a good year. Like they're never if, gonna. Have, uh... And if you want to hang out with and smoke cigars and drink wine with Barack Obama at your <laughs> vineyard, yeah, you gotta think. There's that great line in Inception, where Joseph Gordon-Levin shows up with the assault rifle, and Tom Hardy slaps it out of the way. He goes, "You mustn't be afraid to be- dream a little bit bigger, baby." And Tom Hardy like buzz out like a bazooka. <laughs> that's that's the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be able to like, yeah, you can't like, you know, you can do togetherness. That's fine, but what? Well, I think the Duplass brothers realize that, and that's why they act all the time. Yeah, that's true. They are like there was a ceiling toward the what was the you know the one he did with they did with Jonah Hill. Oh he, uh, yeah, Cyrus. The, the Cyrus that Scott brothers produced. Interestingly mm. enough, Interesting. they, got freak, they got freaked out, according to their book, the DuPont Brothers book that they wrote, they dealing with the Scots and stuff like that. Like, and the machine of it all was too much. 
Ooh. for them on the creative producer like um directing side they were out of their element a little bit and it yeah totally um and you have and like and you have to and they were smart they recognized it yeah i mean that's probably like yeah yeah because that's also like the point where like mark duplass you know started in the league or whatever like he kind of like went totally. that bad and then, and then a few years later jay duplass he did a uh, transparent so yeah. like yeah and they're like oh we can make just as much money more money acting yeah, my- be on sets all the time, hang out with cool people, collaborate, and all that kind of learn thing. stuff. But with absolutely none of the pressure, and same level of pressure. Kind of rules. <laughs> good life. Benny, Benny Safdie's doing it right now too. Ooh yeah, dude, man. Maybe the mm, he's in the I was top talking 10. to my brother about it. He's like, oh, I should have gotten into acting. I was like, yeah, yeah <laughs> but honestly, acting sucks. Acting sucks too. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Although I will say, uh, your brother Andrew, son, he could have been like, there were so many guys in Oppenheimer. He could have been yeah, like he Josh Peck. Been. He could have been the guy pressing the red button. I know. I wish they could have, like, me and him could have just been two brothers who were part yeah. of the research team. They were probably a twin like... brother, two brothers, scient- you know, younger brother, two, older yeah. brother scientists. Well, Frank and Robert Oppenheimer, just give us that. <laughs> oh, they were done. Sorry, 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 Murphy. Yeah. Sorry, Killian Murphy. You're out. I'm in. <laughs> so I think we've reached the end of our long, long, long introduction. <laughs> and yes, get into so. these movies <laughs> yes let's go okay so our first film today is was released on december 25th just celebrate with the whole family december yeah. 25th 2017 and of course we're talking about all the money in the world uh-huh. uh all the money in the world um i rented it on Amazon, it looks like it's not currently on any of the streaming services. Yeah, it's a prime and, one. Uh, you can there is a Blu-ray available. Oh, um, directed of course by Ridley Scott, written by David Scarpa, based on the book "Painfully Rich: The Outrageous Fortunes and Misfortunes of the Heirs of John Paul Get uh, J.P. J. Paul Getty" by John Pearson. I would like to read this book after watching Same. this film. I'm after. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, cinematography by Darius Wolski. Edited by Claire Simpson. Music by Daniel Pemberton. Um, this was this was the first time I saw this movie. I think this was your second time. Yes, I think I saw this in theaters. Oh, excellent. Um, you know, initial thoughts. I thought this movie was a, um, you know, before we get into real strong details, a real surprise. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I don't remember this movie having much of an impact on me um, in theaters, but the second go around, it really hit. It was just yeah. like a, yeah, it's a good, and I think it is this thing where um, sometimes you just really, I just really enjoy, I've, I've become, I don't know what it is, maybe it's just because I do this podcast so much, and like, I, I truly just enjoy when a film looks like it's well made, and it's like they're like filming on location, and it looks like everyone involved is like truly like on the top of their intelligence, kind of like fully committing to whatever project they're working on, and this movie has like that, you know what I mean? Like, it really just feels like a bunch of people that are like the best at what they do, kind of doing their job. <laughs> yeah, this is a well-crafted, yes, well-told adult crime thriller sumptuous yeah don't see it anymore too it's, yeah and it's because it's like the stuff they give to adults is retribution it's like weird like yeah let's do this this so, is good yeah and so david scarpa we could talk about him, is a screenwriter who wrote um 
before this, The Last Castle with Robert Redford, mm. uh, and The Day the Earth Stood Still remake with Keanu Reeves. Interesting. You know, that's a movie that like was kind of boring, but there were some really interesting. I think that movie could have been good. That's a movie that could have worked. If judged given... by Scott Derrickson, who I like for sure. Yeah. Um, interesting thing about Scarpa though is that um, he's now he wrote Napoleon, the forthcoming Napoleon, and he wrote the forthcoming Gladiator Two. He seems to be have gotten along with our man Ridley. Okay, and, giving me uh, hope. I'm liking this. You know, so we'll see what happens there. He's also, um, interestingly enough, in the mix for the Denny Villeneuve Cleopatra. Ooh. And um, he's writing the miniseries um, London Grad for Benedict Cumberbatch about um, the Russian defector uh, Litvidenko who got poisoned. Oh, the polonium. Yeah, I remember yeah. reading about that. Yep. That's a uh, man flash from the past. So Scarpa seems to be like the one of the guys right now for these kind of adult rip from the headlines docudrama it's type like things it's, yeah they're so funny there's like certain directors they're not directors screenwriters rather that mm. kind of like find their like little um niche like him you got michael green i feel like he's always like the guy they call for like sci-fi it's mm-hmm. like oh we need like logan we need a little a rewrite on blade runner get michael green well, you, can, um, you can feel it too because like uh we'll get to it in, next week in particular um take a look at the screenwriter the the J.J. Abrams world screenwriters that proliferated all high concept movies oh from like about vir- from like about 90, 98 to 2015 or so. Oh, they're Kurtzman, still around, dude. Kurtzman, Orky, all those guys yeah. have, a, have a co-writing credit on like every movie that you that you saw in the theater that came out in the summer of those years. Like, oh yeah. Every, every transformers, every, yeah. uh, every Mission like, Impossible, uh, Mission Impossible, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Down the uh, line. He, yeah. Well, then like Lindelof too, he had his yeah. little toes and everything as well. All these guys, all these guys, they were yeah. all, they're all they coming were, back to Abrams. Yep. They were so hot. Hot. <laughs> Spicy. Uh, so Scarpa though, um, scripted all the money and, uh, Ridley Scott joined up on it. March 13th of 2017. He was finalizing plans to join it. Mm-hmm. He uh, he said, he I was consumed by it. I knew about the kidnapping, and the story was very, very provocative. Gail Getty was an exceptional character, and there are many facets of the men, of the man Getty that make him a really great study. There's this really great dynamic. It was like a play and not a movie. But Ridley Scott will make it a movie as a visual guy. Um, <laughs> so the movie... As with all, like, all, as with all Ridley, I said that it, he signed on in May of 2017. Of course, this movie was released December of 2017. A mm. lot can happen between May and December of 2017, though, as we will get into in just a moment. Um, they, the initial choice for Gail, the leading character in the film, was Natalie Portman. Did you know that, Patrick? Hmm. That is like honestly, um, would have been different, different take. The um, but it ended up with Michelle Williams playing the the lead role of Gail Harris. Uh, also cast at that time, uh, Kevin Spacey in the role of J. Paul Getty, the grandfather character of this movie. So yeah, quick rundown, broad plot of this movie. Yeah. 
the most the richest man in the world, oil baron John Paul Getty, or J. Paul Getty, his son, his grandson, John Paul Getty the third, is kidnapped in Italy, and a fourteen million dollar ransom is demanded. Mm. The richest man in the world refuses to pay. What follows then is about a what five six month struggle for the mother of the kidnapped boy, Gail Harris. Yeah. To get her son back in the face of kidnap violent kidnappers and a deeply corrupted both in all aspects of the word corrupted family that she has married into in the richest family in the world, the Gettys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a um it's just everything feels just against her every like even like you know like the the government the police a, the uh, the newspapers this is what makes it a tremendous drama it's yeah. like all the odds are against her they keep stacking up good i mean obviously this is a true story so it's hard for me to like call it good plot beats it feels weird when you say like that yeah. about real people <laughs> um but yeah the, we're pretty removed from it i guess this happened 50 years ago yeah give or take um, but you know, it still is weird. It feels weird. It feels. It, I 100 percent agree. It feels weird, especially when it's like, yeah, because it still kind of feels fresh a little bit, and like, and these even though still, it happened, yeah, these are still real people. They're still like, despite how grotesque some of the characters are in this movie, there's some good. There's some people you want to root for and hope for the best. Yeah. Oh, totally. And then there's people that like, it's just, well, in the whole thing, it kind of gives you an idea of just, uh, like just like the, just the tragic nature of this family and the world they, that these kidnappers brought this kid into like just everything of it. Yeah. It just, it's grim. It's just grim. Yeah. So, um, Michelle Williams plays the mother, Gail Harris, Mm -hmm. Uh, Kevin Spacey was cast as J. Paul Getty, the patriarch, richest man in the world. And mm. Mark Wahlberg, initially um, unspecified, but Mark Wahlberg plays the role of James Fletcher Chase, who is um, J. Paul Getty's fixer and a former CIA operative who kind of, um, so we know rich guys need this. Yes. They need... When you live in this rarefied world, you need you need op- you like need an operator on the payroll, basically. Yeah, you need um, yeah you need a guy who could, uh, in theory, prevent nine eleven from happening. Some would say, <laughs> some have suggested. Yes, uh, you know, but it's like it reminds me of that story I told years ago about how um, when Guillermo del Toro's father was kidnapped, mm-hmm. and like James Cameron, Guillermo del Toro's friend, new guys, yes, who could like maybe help in this kind of situation. God, yeah, they, yeah, there is a certain point. You cross a certain threshold. Maybe it's like $500 million. Maybe it's a billion. Who knows? And, but like, there is a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's so like, so like, I think it was like, it's in the movie. It's like, we speak a different language. We live they, in a different world. They do a great job of demonstrating how truly rarefied and like, outwardly byzantine like it's mm-hmm. truly like just like they are on a different planet and they function uh, in different capacities from regular folk and uh they make it 
they make it clear that they they think that know that and bring Believe that it. to reality. Com- yeah, they yeah, bring the, yeah, and their belief brings that they makes it real. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, and there's nothing to question that. And if you question it, you're buried because one of the key scenes is tire. So, in the beginning of the film, um, we're also introduced to John Paul Getty's loser son, John oh, Paul Getty's man. second. Uh, played by an actor named Eric, Eric Andrew um, Buchan, Buchan. British <laughs> British guy. Yeah, uh, I want to say Buckman so badly, but it's Buchan. I know. But I, I um hadn't really seen him before. I'm looking up some of his movies. It looks like he's done like a lot of uh, BBC type TV, ooh, TV stuff, uh, which I don't. Don't no, watch. No, no, don't watch. Not a, not a. Yeah, I was telling Don I was watching mm-hmm. Horatio Hornblower with my family. It's yeah, a, it's, um, a, it's a pleasant, it's a pleasant if you like, uh, if you like, uh, really, uh, uh, almost like parable level. Like this, this guy is stoic and nice, and so he gets rewarded for his kindness. Yeah, it's very I light. don't um, <laughs> watch a lot of it, but I liked him in this. But he's, um, I did read though, like I read, um, so he's, um, it's not, it's not subtly hinted at that he has substance issues. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. He's carrying a, he's carrying a beer or a glass of wine in every single scene. Yeah, I mean, that is that. that is like I feel like the beer is like the substance abuse version of like um when like a lady coughs and it's like oh yeah she's gonna she's gonna have cancer in a second or yeah. You know, like uh, yeah it's it's not. It's not or subtle. like she throws up. It's like, oh, she's pregnant. Like yeah. it's that level of yeah. like, yeah, it's very, very nuts. But it's like it gets the job done, though. That's the thing. Like, yeah. you know, you know, yeah, you don't need to. I don't know. There doesn't have to be some elaborate way of demonstrating that this guy has issues when he had issues. He 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 drifts very, very quickly towards opium abuse in Morocco. Like a like, couple scenes. It is, it is like a big that is like a big swing. He goes from like a glass of wine to like I am in a den. Just wild. The first time I ever learned about this guy was actually in Keith Richards' autobiography, Life, because Keith was, wow. of course, on this scene. Because yeah, was, they mentioned in the movie you're partying with Mick Jagger and the Stones. It was like, yeah, he was. Like, you know, it was like probably funding those parties. <laughs> yeah, and they were probably all having a great time. Yeah. Probably not great in 2022, 2023 standards. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're Mick Jagger, you're having a good in time. In 1971, <laughs> it was probably rad. But, yeah. If you're but, falling out of coconut trees, you're having a blast. She wants a divorce, and this is like one of the key moments of the movie. It is the key moment of the movie. It's incredible. She lays down an ultimatum in her divorce proceedings that she wants no money from the Getty family, and she just wants full custody of the children. Mm-hmm. Which leads Grandpa Getty mm-hmm. to really like the one moment of the movie where he is confused. He doesn't get it. And this goes back to that different language, different everything. Different values, different. Yeah. yeah. Completely. Oh, and he doesn't. And he. Because all these people, like, we just saw it in, for those of you who have seen Oppenheimer with Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Mm-hmm. All of these people are the pettiest people around when they don't understand why someone could value something different from them. Yeah, and it is, or if it isn't about them, or their grand purpose. You know, yeah. be it you know developing like a bomb, or like yeah. be or be it like uh, with this movie. Like, there's literally a scene in this movie where um, 
Teddy, like, you know, he has a heart to heart with his son who, you know, maybe, you know, you can make a pretty strong argument that a lot of his substance abuse issues, you know, stem from, from the lack of having no relationship whatsoever yeah, with his father. Total lack of love from his parents. And his and his father straight up is like, I'm sorry that I well, he doesn't even say I'm sorry. He's no, like, he's like I, business took a priority. You get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You understand. Yeah. yeah he's like, like, yeah, I ha- and the I look on his, dead eye, his son's dead drug addict eyes are like, no, I don't get this at all. I find yeah. this very depressing, and you've yeah. led me down this terrible road. I am, uh, yeah, I am like a shell of a man because of you. And yeah, to be, yeah, to be a part of your orbit has uh, totally, uh, you know, psychologically neutered me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what we don't realize, and one of kind of one of the cool magic tricks of this movie is that we think this movie is about like there's like a point A, which is about this like how do we get this kid back. Mm-hmm. This kidnap, this crime, kidnap, like yeah. very like genre, like crime picture. Oh, Point totally. B is like actually this is about Getty trying to get revenge on Gale. Uh, yeah. For this one moment, this innocuous moment, seeming to us as viewers, at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that because it isn't even about getting. He, the grandson is a thing like the painting yeah. and all oh, the yeah. other things to Getty. And he doesn't get, it got taken away from him by this woman who got out briefly outsmarts him. Yeah. Except like, it's not even really outsmarting. It's not. It's not. Yeah. No. I think it I think it's like, it's just like this, this woman, like she like offends his reality his view on reality he he has this like well, in he his mind believes everyone is as craven as he is yes yeah he totally thinks that everyone like his the way he thinks he is the most successful person in the world because he is the best at being a person essentially mm-hmm. he fucking literally thinks he's like the the reincarnation of hadrian freak shit but that's the same thing we're seeing with like musk yes musk and his whole thing about like wealth equals intelligence Mm-hmm. And that kind of yeah, yeah. You know what? Here's the thing about Musk: him doing his horrid Rick and Morty South Park. Let me be on SNL. Let me play yeah. Wario. That's like the perverse. It's like well, a the funhouse. Like it's, it's the degradation, like everything else. Yes, that is like his version yeah. of I'm going to collect uh, Matisse's. I'm going to collect Picasso's, and just hide doing... them and hide them. Yeah, from the world. And hide them from the world. Yeah. Like yeah. he like it's like him attempting to get the onion and meld it into his whatever God imagining what his version of the onion would be. Mm-hmm. Don't even want to think about it. Uh, like like that is his like. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a Ryan Johnson class onion. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Class onion. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like Ryan Johnson's versions are not su- like they would have had a subtler version of that. If this mm-hmm. movie, if Glass Onion came out in 1972, it's Night Moves. Oh, 100. 2023, it's Glass. Yeah, it's, yeah, you, it, it, you it have is, to have, have to have Daniel Craig being Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Which is like, you know, that's fun. I like him as Fog. I like him in that movie a lot. I don't know. I I've said it before. I watched that movie and I had a splitting headache Ooh. when I went into it. Headache was gone by the end of Glass Onion. So That's I always nice. will be a bit thankful that I felt physically a little bit better when Glass Onion was over. 
<laughs> so I like I always say I like the movie. <laughs> I don't really remember much about the movie, but I liked it That's because good. I felt better physically when it was over. <laughs> like, I will like say, over there's the like course of that two hours, I felt good. Yeah, you know what? If when it's not doing like its cutesy stuff, like you know, you don't have to have a scene yeah. in your movie where you have you bring out um. Agatha or not Agatha Christie, um, Angela Lansbury and uh, uh, freaking Andrew Lloyd Webber. You don't have to like force these like octogenarian, these like ninety year old wonderful yeah, talents to like Angela learn Lansbury. about Among Us. Angela Lans- Lansbury had a deep freeze for one stupid joke. <laughs> like, yeah, oh god, like it's like just like let her, let her, yeah, don't well, she doesn't have to know what Among Us it's is. It's a matter of. Really not having faith that your ideas are getting across. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot, and it's not just Ryan Johnson who I like. Mm-hmm. He's a nice. It's I everyone. Love, yeah. It's it's ever it's everyone. Yeah, We're brothers blue bloom rules. It's trying to. This is what this is about. This is you know because they're so petrified mm-hmm. of any level of ambiguity or yes. like lack of explanation on anything. You know, they can't, yeah, they yeah, they can't, can't let handled. people decide for them for themselves. They can't. Nope. Nope. It's grim. It's grim. It is. It's not that great. Anyway, speaking of not being able to decide for yourselves, back to our movie. <laughs> um so long story short, we get this down, and then the the son who's played by not no relation, Charlie Plummer, John Paul mm-hmm. Getty the third, is kidnapped in Italy. It, oh, and really ape in the La Dolce Vita shot to open the movie. <laughs> like mm, yeah. doing the full Fellini to open the movie with the kids like strolling through Rome in black and white with the bustling streets. Oh man, it is all the way down was... to the, like the um sex workers. Yep, like straight out of like Knights of Cabiria or La Dolce Vita or something. <laughs> you know, like it's like you're a little too young for this world or whatever. Yeah, very. And he's but, like in the kids a little world wary. <laughs> he's kidnapped. By a group of Italian kidnappers, like we mm-hmm. said, for four, the ransom is for fourteen million dollars. The Italian kidnappers are led by the French actor uh, Romain Dury, playing the part of Cinquanta. Yeah, now, Romain Dury is actually one of my favorite actors, and he has been for about 10, 15 years. Ooh, uh, he is in these movies that came out in the. They're actually still doing them. I think that they're the rumors are going to do a fourth one by this. French director called Cedric um, Capliche, the Spanish Apartment Trilogies, L'Auberge Espagnol from 2002, Russian Dolls from 2005, and Chinese Puzzle from 2013, in which Romain Dury plays the role of Xavier, young student, now middle-aged man, as the series has gone on, who's just kind of trying to find his way. Uh, (laughs) When I first saw these in the early 2000s, I felt a very deep kinship with Mr. Dury and his character Xavier. And he was also in a movie in 2005 called The Beat That My Heart Skipped, which is this really terrific thriller from Jacques Odiard. And he's also, my favorite of all of his movies is this movie called Don Paris, Inside Paris, uh, directed by Christophe Honor, which came out in 2006. which stars Romain Dury and Louis Garrel as two brothers in Paris. Romain Dury Louis Garrel, is, great actor. Yeah. Uh, might remember him from Little Women mm-hmm. um, for American audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, he um, 
Romaine replays the older brother who who's going through a devastating breakup. Louis Garrow is his um, free-spirited younger brother who, after Paul moves in and starts sleeping on the couch, Dury start moves into the, his dad and brother's apartment, starts sleeping on the couch, and is full of depression. Louis Garrow tells him, if I can make it to the Christmas windows at Macy's, within this time span, you have to get up off this couch and join me there. But Louis Garrow says the he can stop time, and he tells the audience. So he ends up having sex with like three different women on his way on his way to the windows, while his brother gets increasingly depressed. All of it leading to Romain Dury calling his ex girlfriend and them having a musical number over the phone, singing to each other. My God, I love I this love movie. It. I visited the Christmas windows at Macy's in Paris because of this movie. Hell yeah! With my younger brother. We did it together because we love this movie so much. You can guess which characters we we, we identified with. <laughs> but I've been a fan ever since. If he's in it, I watch it. He's a charming, magnetic French actor. Yeah, um, and, it, and I was telling Don too, like, I really think he brings a lot to an incredibly he there are so many roles like this in american films where like the you know the american characters like you're gonna see a bunch of these in uh the upcoming equalizer i imagine where you know denzel's in italy yeah that's like the new denzel in it. and there's gonna be a bunch of like kind of like uh stock italian characters essentially they always do these stock characters and they often will get like these incredible actors in their own nations that like get to like perform in like at the peak of their the peak of their abilities but then they're kind of trapped in these like middling uh american films that at least are providing them a, a good paycheck and probably and allowing it, them to do more of what they want to do and it's always yeah and it's it it does it is like there is like um differing perspectives on this so i was alluding to this before and so romaine Duria got offered a bond villain well, your, years before this, when he oh. like, that, right around that time, I was talking about these movies that like mm-hmm. enchanted me to his talents. There were others who were like, "We want to bring this. Like, this guy's terrific. We want to yeah. like see him at something." It's <laughs> and he basically goes, "What? What does a French guy know about being like a bot? <laughs> like he didn't understand it. <laughs> like you know, and I think he was offered. Um, oh, you know the guy who fights Bond in the body sequence." when they go to the bodies museum in, I think it's oh. either in, um, I think it's in quantum solace. Quantum of solace. Is it the guy got, with the, um, was it the guy with the crazy haircut? Like the he, got, cut? Uh, he got offered like an early, like that, like the guy who fights bond in that sequence. Mm, um, he didn't take it, but interestingly enough, the villain in that movie is, um, Matteo Almarac, who's also a French actor. I really like, yeah. and he was like, who doesn't want to be a Bond villain? And I got paid a ton, so it's great. It like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's great. He is good in that. He's movie. great. Like, I loved him. Yeah, I thought he was wonderful. He's such like a funny, like because he's so like small and squirrely. Like he's got like, a funny, yeah. like funny guy for Bond to be against. Oh yeah, he's such a. Uh, he's not. Yeah, because I remember he's great in Munich. He's in Grand yeah. Budapest Hotel. Like he, he's like yeah, Wes he Anderson has... loves him. Yeah, he has like yeah, he has that energy where he does. Um, he's a little like wiry and wily. He has like he has wild eyes. He's got real energy. He's got yeah. real great energy. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his too. But um, you're right. Room injury finds a lot in this role that um, 
could have been one note. Mm-hmm. So basically what follows is this long negotiation where Wahlberg's character gets involved and they have to kind of figure out how, and poor Michelle Williams has to figure out how to navigate terrorists who are sending her son's ear to her in the mail. Mm-hmm. And yeah. oh, man. Christopher Plummer, who might be, wor- oh, spoiler, Christopher Plummer, I've been referring to Kevin Spacey the entire time. We'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> uh, John Paul Getty, who might be, he, who's worse? Than the kidnappers are. Oh, big time. So one thing I found interesting, I've been watching a bunch of these like Italian crime movies from the mm-hmm. 70s, and a bunch of them are about kidnapping negotiations. This was like a big deal. Yeah, and, like, it's kind of like the Mexico mafia, City in the 2000s or something. Yeah, the man on fire or something like that. But like this was such a big deal then, and it was so – and the mafia's kind of um, run on things. In which, like, you know, the the police, the local government, don't really have a hell of a lot to say in yeah. this. Like, and you're really fighting an uphill battle, and the code of silence within the community about this kind of thing. Like, the end of this movie, when they're racing around asking, have you seen the, like, they're shutting doors, or even he escapes the first time, and they immediately call the cops that he goes to call the bad guys. It's- so brutal because it's like it just doing battle is way worse than just kind of like going with the flow well and the thing too is like you realize so in the first half of the movie the guys who are capturing him they're kind of a little they're um at best they're a little rough around the edges at worst they're kind of like the saving silverman (laughs) Like yeah. that. They're kind of like lower. They're a little lower rent, and they're not like the typical. They're not like um. They don't have the resources of a larger crime not, organization. Yeah, it's not organ. It's not organized. They're like willy nilly. And then like what I like about this movie is like they get this. He puts this great gunfight mm-hmm. in in the middle. Romain Duris' crew gets killed. Yep. But then Romain Duris just goes to these other guys. Who are like, oh, these this is the actual fucking mafia. <laughs> yeah. You realize that's like the, the halfway point after that, you know, climactic, you know, shoot shootout. Yeah. You realize, oh, you were dealing with a mafia. You were just dealing yeah. with some like hoodlums. Now now it's gotten harder yeah. for Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg to navigate any of it. And it makes gives the second half of the movie a little bit extra. And again, we go back to our disqueasiness with plot points or whatever. Yeah. But as a viewer. You're like, oh, this now we got another more juice in the movie, more excitement in yeah. the movie. Well, <laughs> but then what also further obfuscates it too is the whole thing with um, Mark Wahlberg following the leads, the the leads of the communists that like because apparently yeah. Getty had like yeah, little yeah, Getty Jr. had his own plans or like talked about doing some sort of thing, you know, a capture a kidnapping of his own. And what I do like about this movie is like to go along with like the culture of kidnapping and that kind of thing in Italians, Italy in the seventies. It's also like the radical post Mussolini culture. Yes. That sprung up too. Which is all like Bart and really does a nice job of not giving us like a history lesson or something, but giving us just enough that if you actually want to get like into it, it's a good starting point to like learn yeah. about some of this kind of stuff. If you find it curious, cause it's all there. You go into it's... it and like learn about it. Cause it's a very interesting time, very revolutionary well, time. 
Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I forget that like Italy was like a hotbed in the 70s. There was yeah. so much like, yeah, you look at like, you know, the various communist movements there, the various, you know, fascist movements, yeah. the the freedom movements in like northern and Italy and Sicily and Sardinia. Like there's a lot. And this movie is a great starting place for that. If you do want to like sink your teeth into some real history, which is yeah. I feel like so many movies don't do that nowadays. They don't give you that good starting ground. They kind of want to like. You know, they want to entertain and entertaining is good, but that's a great thing about Oppenheimer, too. But yeah, I never exactly. felt like a return to this. Yeah, there's this one movie I just watched um, coincidentally called The Iron Prefect, which just came out on Blu-ray. It's an Italian movie of the time period, which is like ostensibly like this crime movie, a true story about like this like mafia buster who got sent to Sicily, Sicily. But the fascinating thing about him is he got sent to Sicily by Mussolini. He's a total fucking fascist, and he's the lead of this movie. So when you're watching, you're like, oh, talk, talk about queasy. That's you're like, crazy, yeah. And you're like, oh, where is my alliance? This guy sucks. Yes. But he's like freeing these towns, and he's like crime busting and stuff like that. But those yeah. are like the, the real but, fascinating dichotomies of life. I know. And that's like, oh, like that's what you want to see. Like when you watch um. It might be like watching like S. Craig Zoller movie. Like, this, like you know what I mean? Like, you know, yes. But you're like, this is disgusting yeah, me and is probably. Like, but how am I? How the hell am I supposed to feel yeah. about any of this and giving you no easy answers on how you're supposed to feel? You got to ruminate. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff indeed. <laughs> and I yeah. think you're right. Like Oppenheimer does present that in a pretty heavy duty way. Yeah, hugely. Yeah, makes it such an important major, major, a major league movie. Um, so anyway, like back to the production side of this. So they make this movie. Ridley Scott and his usual, like, nonstop. Let's get the job done kind of way mm -hmm. with his normal crew and everything like that. So the movie, like we said, they begin shooting this movie. In May of 2017. Mm. Production supposedly concludes in August of 2017. The film is announced to be premiere in November of 2017 at the AFI Film Festival in a gala lavish premiere. Hey, Patrick, search shine up those Academy Awards. This is this is money dumb. But in October of 2017, numerous sexual misconduct allegations are made against lead of the movie Kevin Spacey. Yeah. AFI premiere is canceled. Academy Awards campaign, which was initially going to be centered around Kevin Spacey, Ooh. is in chaos. Oh, no. What do we do? The movie's done. Completed, by the way. November 9th, they announced that reshoots have been scheduled. They're going to reshoot the every scene Kevin Spacey was in with Christopher Plummer in the role. Despite earlier statements to the contrary, at this point, Ridley Scott claims that Christopher Plummer was the original choice. Anyway. But the studio executives who persuade him cast the bigger name in mm. Kevin Spacey. 
which is odd because Kevin Spacey was like certainly big, but Christopher Plummer had won Best Supporting Actor at the Academy Awards fairly recently for Beginners. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a little in a little suspect. Yeah, and it's like mm-hmm. this is also like Kevin Spacey. I guess he has House of Cards. Yeah, guess, which was yeah. pretty, which pretty big. Pretty big, yeah. The reshoots with Christopher Plummer last from November 20th to 29th. Mm-hmm. There was a trailer, by the way, that is really that was released that is currently still on YouTube where you can see Kevin Spacey under heavily caked makeup. Ooh. In the role. Um the reshoots cost ten million dollars. While it did not seem possible, Ridley got this done. And the like we said, the movie was only delayed a month. In its initial release, Insane. this is very as a from a completely like work oriented point of view. This is very impressive. <laughs> like, it's because the movie doesn't feel you watch it. It doesn't feel rushed in the slightest. It feels very like competently made. Feels very professionally does, done. Yeah, you feel no none of the seams are showing at all. Yeah, no flop sweat. Um. Unfortunately, though, these reshoots led to further controversy for this film is that um, it was later found that Mark Wahlberg was paid $1.5 million for his role in the reshoots and Michelle Williams was paid $1,000. 1000 Like, just no. 100000 or 1000 Supposedly $1,000. No, that's great. That's why something yeah or um yeah i mean she's an she's like an academy award now that's i mean i get that so there was backlash about this and what i would say is that yes on the surface i would say her agents really fucking screwed the pooch on that one yeah um but in general that is a wider issue of pay disparity Mm -hmm. between your between your stars yeah, and between like, genders between genders yeah. that's what I was getting at so, oh and totally genders yeah but like also to be just, addressed and yeah. it's bad Mark Wahlberg apparently donated all of the 1.5 million to the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund you know what that's nice that's you Which know that's a good that's a good least, it's better yeah the least he could do although I don't yeah. actually think it's Mark Wahlberg's fault no <laughs> any of I, this. I, no well and it's also just genuinely it's the right That's, thing to do, though. It, got, it, no, makes, no. it, it makes him look good, at least. No, but yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. It feels a little forced and canny, sure. But um, but what I was going to say, too, is like Michelle Williams, like that's that is like truly. I think when you said about the agent thing, it's like that's such a that's insane. She's like that's like something and like a, a, a like an extra gets paid. Beyond or something. anything else, she's actually the lead of this entire movie. Mark she Wahlberg is. isn't the lead of this movie. Kevin Spacey wasn't the lead of this movie. And Christopher Plummer is not the lead of this movie. She's the lead yeah. of this movie. A hundred percent, man. She's, was she, yeah, she's she the most. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who I mean, knows? there's no no. Obviously, in America, people need talk to your coworkers about what you get paid. <laughs> that really wherever is wherever you huge, work. Talk to your coworkers about where you get work. Paid. Wherever you work, it's beyond any of this. That is like the first thing because that is like yeah, it, it's so funny because there was this time in my life where I felt like oh, it's crass to talk, but like no, like you need it, to it, know because like, you know who taught you it was crass because I felt the same way. Your boss. Your yes. boss told you it's crass. Yes. That's just, oh, uh, man. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. Cause it's, I mean, maybe, yeah. Cause I can see, like, I'm trying to think of comparable. I think about, like, Jonah Hill getting paid 10000 to play for, um, 
uh, Wolf of Wall Street. That's like another one. Uh, mm-hmm. But he wanted to do that, and then uh, and then they, there's they, like they, also they, like yeah, they talk about that all the time. I mean, like people are saying how like oh Scarlett Johansson got paid for this for the Marvel movies and this for Asteroid City. Well, yeah. Everyone on Asteroid City. Everyone got paid less for Asteroid City. Tom Hanks yeah. got paid less for Asteroid City. They wanted to work with Wes Anderson. Yeah, like, exactly. So, I mean, you have to. It's not one to one, but this is a. This was. This was. You know. Yeah. Should have been looked at by her agents, and then it, there is also obviously a broader issue of, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, uh, like Jennifer Lawrence should be paid the same as Bradley Cooper. Yeah, for instance, or like I, I even like think about like um those um I remember looking at the pays for like the geezer teasers and like all the different and it was like you know Bruce Willis getting like a million bucks or one point five a pop and then like Megan Fox she would get like like one hundred and fifty thousand yeah. yeah and and it's not like you know she's not at the level of Bruce Willis I'll definitely give you that but it's like she could. She should be getting a little more. It is crazy. Yeah. No, 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 your... no, you're worth and fight for it. Yeah, exactly. No, you're worth and fight for it. Uh, yeah. And just um, if you're on the other side of that, uh, you know, have a little more uh, self-reflection. Just be a good person. So. On the flip side, though, mm-hmm. they dodged a bullet. By the, in the Spacey slumber situation. Huge bullet. Yeah. And even beyond that, Spacey, like. A younger man caked in shitty makeup. Crazy. This is an actually like actual like man in their late eighties in Christopher Plummer. <laughs> Does make a difference. Yeah. Like, like what's up with this like fucking Norbit ass? Like we're gonna yeah. like yeah, but like you an insane old like that's silly. Get out of so, here with that. Bottom line is Christopher Plummer's brilliant. He's so in, good. in no time to research or do anything. Although I did for he actually met John Paul Getty. Ooh. Which Kevin Spacey never could have brought that to the table. No, just yeah. Mathematically, you know, timeline yeah. wise. Uh Chris Plummer <laughs> was old enough and famous enough in the sixties to have had this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had already done sound of music. Yeah. So like he's a star. So like <laughs> yeah, he's like honestly in some ways probably the the best and only person that could betray this <laughs> gender in human. Weird, in a weird way, it all worked out. Yeah. He's terrific in the movie. He's scary as shit. His bana- banality of evil, yeah, and stuff is so, so good. Some of his like best lines are the ones that he um, uh, delivers grandfatherly, like when he's yep. like walking with his little uh, grandson, and he's like, "I'm the the descendant of Hadrian, and so are you. We're we're rarefied blood." Like <laughs> it, it, his matter of fact quality of his like supposed greatness and beyond this is so and his attempts at being a human being oh. with family and stuff like that is bone chilling because he's playing it yeah he doesn't he doesn't feel it and he knows it yeah he's like this is how like a nice doting grandfather is supposed to be right yeah it's it's like a you're just like watching guy try to like play a piano or so, like it's like he's trying like he's trying to like use an instrument he's only used a couple of times and yeah. he's not and he's quite as rusty. Yeah. Seen on TV or read in a book or whatever. Yeah. But he's he's a man who knows no pleasure. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, no joy. Yeah. You know, it's how they talk about Trump, how Trump like hates everything. He's yes. miserable. Mm-hmm. But he's fueled by misery. Yeah. And fueled by like 
anger and fueled by like antipathy. Yeah. He just like he just he he goes on because he is. <laughs> like Yeah, and what what's gonna happen is you're all gonna die in a chair clutching mm-hmm. a priceless painting because of that. Yeah. Trump's gonna be like clenching a I don't know. Like it's gonna be like a copy of Bloodsport. Yeah, it's gonna be like a DVD. He didn't. He never even upgraded to Blu-ray. Yeah, and like a handful of chicken nuggets, McNuggets. He has like a. He has a half of a Big Mac in one hand, and yeah. the other hand he has a VHS recording of uh, Evita. He's somehow <laughs> choking on a big gulp. Yes. Uh, yeah, oh. yeah. It's like an original cast. I was there. Andrew Lindbergh called me. He was like, I'm going to do this thing about a yeah, phantom in an opera. <laughs> that is the funniest one. Where he just kind of explains how he got pitched phantom of the opera. Oh my, my god. god. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird, what a degradation we live in. Anyway, yeah. somehow Ridley Scott got this movie done. Mm-hmm. Everyone's great in this movie, by the way. Michelle Williams mm-hmm. is great. Mark yes. Wahlberg is great. He like, brings it! It's a, this is an ultra compelling movie. That, you know what? Like, you can read up on the history of it. We haven't even gotten to tell you if the ransom was paid or if she gets the boy back. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think I'm going to. I don't think no. we're going to. I'd be enjoy taking this movie in. But I I I I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really like strong, like mid-level adult crime movie. Yeah. It it's is not like changing a... the world or anything, but it's pretty no. good. It's like a good, good, I just like, yeah, it's a good time in the movies. And it's like something that's like, it's not like life changing. It's not going to be like, you know, it's not like, you know, some transcendent experience, but it's also like a, I think it just, it delivers on what it sets out to do. And uh, there's a lot to be appreciated with a film like that. Absolutely. So one interesting thing is in 2018, like, Mm. so simultaneous to this, there was an FX TV series covering oh, yeah. the exact same topic from Danny Boyle, um, where called Trust, where Donald Sutherland played John Paul Getty. Good casting there. Yeah, that's like actually that. the other only other person that could probably do Sight, it. Sight unseen, I like it. Hillary yeah. Swank played Gail. Ooh, which I like as well. Yeah, get this, Brendan Fraser. Play the Mark Wahlberg role, James Fletcher Chase. Like that too. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go back and watch this, but I like it on paper. Of yes. course, it's got a deep impact on Armageddon situation here, if there ever was mm-hmm. one. It's like how um, <laughs> there's also another crazy version of that where, like, at the same time that uh, uh, the uh, Paul Walter Hauser, um, Clint Eastwood, um, Richard Joel, that when that was released, there was also a mini series about Richard Jewell released where the guy who played Richard Jewell was the dude who plays Ed Kemper in Mindhunter. Crazy. Fascinating. I want to nice. see that. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's totally um, like, yeah, because apparently those two were like up for the same roles and Paul Walter Hauser almost did the other one and he almost did the, and they were just, you know. So hard. It's so weird. No real imagination. Like, no. You go back on the Ridley Scott, fourteen ninety two, and Columbus. Ooh, simultaneously, yeah. remember those, and they both stunk. Yes, Mamma Mia, All the money in the world came out on Christmas Day, twenty seventeen. Mm. Bring the family, have a fun time. 
Watch this kidnapping. Grim ass crime grim ass crime drama. Yeah. It grows twenty five point one million in the United States and Canada, thirty one point eight million in other territories for a worldwide total of fifty six point nine million on a production budget of fifty million. Not Ooh. good enough. Mm. But hey, you know, ups yeah. and downs. The um critical response, seventy nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. All the Money in the World offers an absorbing portrayal of a true story brought compellingly to life by a powerful performance from Christopher Plummer. I agree. Hmm. Yeah. The, um, you know, some of the reviews, Tom McCarthy, the Hollywood Reporter, called the film a terrifically dexterous detailed throw about the Italian mob's 1973 kidnapping for ransom of the grandson of the world's richest man. Matt Zohar-Seitz of RogerEbert.com gave it three out of four stars and commended it as a whole, but criticized the middle section as repetitive. He also praised Scott for being able to finish the film despite the spacey controversy, calling it a testament to the awesome work ethic of its 80-year-old but still apparently tireless director. Mm. People like this movie. I think 79% is fine. You know, I think, like, you know, it kind of gets to it. Um, All the Money in the World was nominated for one Academy Award. The Best Supporting Actor for Christopher Mm. Plummer, who came in, saved the day, kicked ass, you know... Yeah, it is Good like a him. Beat. Yeah. A legend. Yeah. You know, one of the best to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I appreciate you know, I mean, we've covered a lot of movies with Kevin Spacey on here. We can try to ignore yeah. his personal life foibles. Yep. It's kind of a ham. <laughs> like yeah, he is know? like he, he at the, he, dude, at the end of the day, he is just like at this point um, in his career, I mean Yeah. He's kind of a maximalist ham, and kind of it's uh, I I never liked House. I'll be honest. I watched the first episode not to be like uh, I don't want to be the guy who's like oh I didn't like him before, but uh, I just didn't because like I liked him and stuff in the past. I'm not like yeah, totally House like, Cards yeah. is like we used to do this like an Alabama slammer. I'm gonna come at him with a hurricane you have never seen before. That's that was just, kind yeah. of. His performance. <laughs> yeah, he he's like he has the um yeah the the uh, subtlety of the uh the southern chicken lawyer in Futurama like yeah. which is I think a parody of Foghorn Leghorn which is a parody of all that bullshit. And by <laughs> all accounts, he played J. Paul Getty pretty arch, pretty high camp, mm. pretty like yeah. mustache twirlingly evil. <sighs> Yeah, not that kind of movie, dude. That's the same thing. Yeah, that's so that, that now the next movie we're covering, it's that would have been a welcome would have been a welcome addition to the <laughs> <Yeah>. gang. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the cavalcade of kooky characters, kooky characters. Um, all the money in the world got nominated for three GGs. Oh, <laughs> we'll see if the G this this statistic's probably not going to matter. Is incre- going increasingly irrelevant. Oh yeah, like, As, I heard this week that like all the networks still have turning down the Golden Globes, despite new ownership of the Golden Globes. Like yeah. it's gone. Doesn't it's, matter. Uh, honestly, they kind of suck. They're like, yeah, they're like the least. It's like that was the award that was chosen by like what like seventy weird international journalists. Like get out of here with that. Who like wanted to score like free watches and DVD players? Yeah. <laughs> It's like that's why like the tourist got an Oscar. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. But Michelle Williams was nominated, Christopher Plummer was nominated, and Ridley Scott was nominated for Golden Globes. Um yeah, good for them. Overall, this movie seems to be more of a forgotten picture in Ridley Scott's catalog uh catalog, but I say don't sleep on it. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. It's a very interesting look at his 
concept of the ultra wealthy and kind of that grim, like shadowy ultra wealthy who mm-hmm. like live in a different planet. Next movie takes a different look at the ultra wealthy and kind of the ultra wealthy folks who actually like being on TV a lot is basically what I would call Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, these are, you know, the, as you had said it great earlier, yeah, the previous group, that was Sheldon Adelson, now we're entering, uh, we're entering mm. Pillow Man. <laughs> and true power does not come, fame is not true power, but sometimes it can be mistaken. For true power and fame is actually growing rapidly in that area. I mean, fame yeah, is a currency more than it used to be. And in, witness are the rich we have now, yeah, in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. shadow rich still dominate. But I think yeah. another thing I wanted to bring up that was really interesting about these two movies is that, and I'm happy we're covering them today, is both these movies got hit with a lot of like press. When yeah, they came out. The Twitter world was a buzz. Oh yeah, with talk. Whereas this house, uh, all the money in the world was like a lot of um, two different sides of how you can be controversial on Twitter, too. Uh, outrage, whether it be over the gender pay inequalities mm-hmm. or get the presence of Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Whereas our next film, House of Gucci, was more memes. Yes, the meme implication. <laughs> yeah. Meme yeah. it's either outrage or memes. Those are the yeah. two ways you could be like noteworthy on Twitter, right? Yeah, those are literally <laughs> yeah, you can either be angry or you're posting some goofy uh, one liner. Some goofy ass stuff. Yeah. And it's great to be able to watch these two movies now away from that. Yeah. Having it having it seen it die down some. So we can watch all the money in the world as like a you know, top of the line, mature crime thriller. And we can watch House of Gucci, our next film, as um <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, like a maximalist carnival. It's uh, a grotesque satire? Grotesque yes, a grotesque satire. I love that. That it's is a 100%. grotesque satire. Yeah, it is a grotesque center. Uh, yeah, a parody of humanity. And you can go back. We've covered House of Gucci before mm-hmm. on the show, so we don't necessarily need to get into all the gritty machinations or the production. We've talked a little bit about that. And I think it'd be fun just kind of talk about how we feel in the like aftermath of House of Gucci. Yeah, post post Gooch. Yeah, and looking at House of Gucci as a movie within the Scott catalog, rather than as um, kind of the Twitter filled freak show, it was when it first came out. Right. I mean, those first images of like Adam Driver and Lady Gaga in like a snowsuit. Oh yeah. Remember when that Man. dropped and everyone was like, "What is this gonna be?" Yeah. Uh, this is quite a picture. This movie, of course, is House of Gucci. It came out on November 24th of 2021. Directed mm-hmm. by Ridley Scott. Screenplay by Becky Johnson and Roberto Bentevegna. Story by Becky Johnson based on the book House of Gucci. A sensational story of murder, madness, glamour, and greed by Sarah Gay Forden. I'm not as interested in reading this one. Eh. <laughs> you know. leave it, yeah, leave it on the table. I mean, there are some like interesting... I do kind of like... There's some questions, uh, like I like them, 
like I want to know how like Tom Ford factors into it mm-hmm. more. Maybe he he was kind of like an interesting him coming in. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot the Tom, the guy who directed uh, Nocturnal Animals is in this movie. Also, such a fascinating story about like a kid from Texas becoming this international fa- fashion maven. Yeah, that's like it's like what is going on with this? Like if they ever do like an insane peacock, you know, miniseries about a kid. Like you know, House of Gucci, Tom Ford, like yeah, and you know. and I think we we did mention this before. This we're movie guys, but mm-hmm. this feels like a miniseries. Yes, I, mean, Big time. I think that's one of the reasons why this movie is a little more like unwieldy. Genuinely surprising, there wasn't like a competing, you know, you know, some sort of um, FX like you know, uh, American Crime Story. One of the um, what's his name, Ryan Murphy. Yeah, this, this is like a, screams his kind of deal. Yeah, it shrieks Ryan Murphy. I hundred percent agree with you there. Um, the movie uh, cinematography by Darius Wolski, edited by Claire Simpson. We met them before many mm-hmm. times over. Music by Henry Gregson Williams, who we've also seen in other productions. Really going back to the oh, and I should note um, Arthur Max, production designer on both pictures. Oh yeah, oh, really, he does a great job. Really usual guy, a key Ridley figure who kind of an unsung Ridley figure. We, yeah, you know the story. This is about their the um, massively wealthy Gucci family and interloper played by Lady Gaga named Patrizia Regalini, <laughs> <laughs> who marries into the family and then discovers she will always be considered an outsider. This, mm-hmm. this family might be like a bunch of corrupt losers to begin with. And that yeah. all of it is precarious, and that sometimes that can upset you so much that you, via your psychic, you can hire hit people to kill your ex-husband. Yeah. Oh Coming my up. god. Yeah. Like, yeah. What a yeah. What a what a roller coaster. Lady Gaga's character goes through throughout this entire film. Lady geez. Lady Gucci. Lady Gucci. I liked it more. I oh, did too. We should note it's it's all over the streaming services. Yeah, watch the same. there's a bunch of them. You can watch it sure. uh, if you have Amazon Prime. You can yeah, watch it. Fine. It's also on Blu-ray. You can rent it. All those kind of deals. Um, I liked it more the second time. I think you did too. I did too. Yeah, I was mm. like one of those things where, like, I, I think like the there's like I do think there is just always this little dip in the middle of it where it does start to get, but then I think the end is pretty strong. I do like once it starts to like heat up. Once like um, I feel like it gets once he leaves her. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Once he gets to um, once he gets to uh, uh, uh Switzerland, things yeah. start to really like you know pace up, and you you can see the return of Al Pacino. Oh yeah, and when the cops yeah. when the cops start coming down on Driver too, and like I was so telling, I noticed it this time around. So they're in Italy, mm-hmm. and the cops come to his house. He bails so fast on Lady Gaga and his kid to get on his motorcycle and drive to Switzerland. <laughs> he sucks. He's such yeah. a little worm. <laughs> it is truly really, like this time. It's so funny because like, yeah, you watch it. And they're like, oh, he seems like a normal, nice the guy. The first like, time, yeah. The first time you watch it, you let a lot of his kind of flaws slide. Yeah, his bookish charm. He has like a he's mm-hmm. like a, oh, he's, he's, like he's a, going to school. Like, he's not this like near dwell designing ga- garish bullshit yeah but he's also one of the he's willing to be one of the guys he'll uh spray water at you and play soccer too so like you know he's he can he can do both things yeah and he'll like have crazy sex in a trailer yeah. 
yeah three things those are the three things he does yeah those are, those are the three things he does we're all over the place but this movie's all over the place um yeah. <laughs> i wanted to say that it's like if all the money in the world kind of covers that like shadow mm-hmm. rich world kasaguchi is the like the paparazzi rich world the yes. fame rich world and how all of it's corrupt all of it's grotesque and all of it's kind of phony, for sure. Well, and it's like, yeah, if this, if uh, yeah, if all if all the money in the world is the Wall Street Journal, this is the New York Post. Yeah, and <laughs> I think like what's so interesting is really like tasting this world. You know, he's been there. Yes, and you know, and coming out of it like a little like, okay, I'm not going to leave. I'm still going to be a rich guy, mm-hmm. but I'm concerned. <laughs> about what i have seen it's yeah kinda, it's kind of how it feels because he's been traveling in these circles since the 60s you know he's been a rich guy since yeah, the 60s. Well, yeah and he's like lost like so much i feel like he's seen so many people lose sight of like i think like at the end of the day you work hard and you do this to like live a great life i think like there is like this element where like i think like ridley scott like he enjoys the work and he likes like being very competent and he also knows that competence provides compensation and um you can get that for your family you can get that i think like he sees i think he's like um has witnessed a lot of people like kind of like either flitter that away or um be in positions where they do not allow it because of their upbringing slash uh you know nepotism and then there's the flip side in all the money in the world where he sees people like lose uh, lose track of why they were doing this in the first place mm-hmm. or even what it, what is on the other side of the mountain. Yeah. The, the ambition mountain, we'll call it like, what do you do? Yeah. Do you just continue to work like really Scott seems to have? Yeah. Start hunting people for sport. <laughs> do you really do you enter the world of a hostel or something like that? Like, God, yeah. Like, do you, yeah. What do you, I think? Like, so many people. I think the thing is that so many people are um, unsure and uncomfortable with what to do, and it drives them a little crazy. And uh, and I think really, sc- think, well, I like, think uh, what, you, what you find on the other side is that there still is like you're still going to die. Mm-hmm. You're still going to get sick. Yeah, your kids might still hate you. True. Your kids aren't going to um, be what you want them to be, perhaps. You know what I mean? Or, like, it's not going to, like, um, everything that you planned won't perhaps uh, come and, out. And, yeah, and there is no utopia. Exactly. We're all flawed. Yeah, and how you react to that, you know, I mean, we've talked about it before, like, acceptance is your best choice. <laughs> and how you react to that is not going to like is going to decide how you go forward and I think probably like if you're really Scott like what I would do if I wasn't really Scott I would continue to work too because I feel um, continuing to like have a craft and continuing to kind of like pursue your craft pursue excellence Mm -hmm. you know that's where you can find satisfactions yes you know because like 
there's no such you know there's no permanence there's no anything like that and so you're you know you're gonna be haunted no matter what yes like, it's that's what i would do there's always well the, the thing too is there's always gonna be a storm mm-hmm. and so you better sail that fucking ship you know what I mean? Like you're gonna like you're always there's always gonna be like that adversity. There's always gonna be like and it's um it's depressing and it's grim and you can get knocked on your ass. It happens to all of us. I've been knocked on my ass many a time. But like if you um you have think- to be able to stand and I think he really understands that you can't just kinda like let these factors that um I think he are- is actively fighting against that elements of these themes that we're talking about both positive and negative and all of his films 2012 onward starting with mm-hmm. prometheus prometheus is a movie about like trying to find permanence trying to find god and finding the consequence of that yeah the counselor is about get rich schemes basically yes <laughs> trying to skip the line essentially yeah, trying to uh, cheat yeah trying to cheat and the dire dire consequences of trying to be new nouveau rich yeah basically. no shortcuts buddy like <laughs> exodus gods and kings is literally finding god and realizing that's gonna be a scary rest of my life yeah it's a bummer <laughs> you're moses in the back of that damn wagon yeah, and you're getting haunted by this little child that is the Lord. Flip side, <laughs> Martian is about hard work. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting the job done. Just having a good time with yeah. your friends. And... <laughs> like you, 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 take care of yeah. business. Sal Glover, what a wacky guy. He's great. Yeah, and Alien Covenant continues like, I'm going to find, oh, there's the consequences of opening up. the. It's like opening the Ark and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Whoopsie doopsie. Mm. Yeah, is David is David like a Getty esque? I think so. Yeah, he think you yeah. know, yeah, and he doesn't see what's wrong with it. Same yeah. as Getty. Yeah, man. Yeah, like the Wayland. Wayland's Getty. Well, he that's is... it. Yeah, going all the way back to Wayland and Tyrell of Blade Runner are Getty as well. Yes. Yeah. That, that everything. So this has been there all along, man. And sometimes you just gotta drive your convertible off of a cliff to get away from these terrible men maybe yes. that's how Thelma Louise is connected to yes. all hey sometimes you gotta drive your convertible off a cliff sometimes you just gotta relax and drink some wine yeah I know yeah just be rich enough to like look but you know like that was like Goodyear was like literally abandoning these rich assholes you yes. have to be rich. You have to be rich enough to do so, which is the flaw in Goodyear. Well, Goodyear is finding him. It's like being at that crossroad where it's like either I uh, wise up and learn to love life a bit, or I become a Getty. Yeah, because there is a there's literally a freaking Getty in that movie. There's a guy that hides a painting in like a in a safe. They're all oh my god. Yeah. This is all there, folks. It's all, all there. there. The, the, we we're like Charlie Day in that scene, and um, it's always funny. There is no Carol. <laughs> there is no Carol. <laughs> but I think there are themes emerging. It's taken mm-hmm. twenty six movies for us to figure this out. But, yeah. You know, God. Yeah. Within the world of these really Scott movies, and one of the other themes that's present is so we, we've got the Gucci family. Mm-hmm. Patricia is one of the interlopers in there. The other interloper, though, and 
I think both of us, he shined a little bit brighter the second time through for us, was Dominico Del Sol, the family attorney played by Jack Houston. Mm. Who, because he's not as flashy, first time you watch House of Gucci, you're like, geez, Jared Leto, geez, Al Pacino. <laughs> like, you're yeah, a little, like, you are like you're totally overwhelmed yeah. by these steamroller guys, which yeah, we it, love, but you're oh, overwhelmed great. by them. <laughs> I think what's so interesting is um, Domenico Dessel is in the background from the start of this movie. Mm-hmm. But he reveals himself so as the only competent person within the orbit of Gucci. Mm-hmm. The only person who sees the writing on the wall and the big picture simultaneously. So by the end, when he ices out Adam Driver's Maurizio, in, um, you're like, okay, that was cold, yeah. but I get it. Simultaneously, we see the similar action with Mark Wahlberg's character, Chase, in all the money in the world. Yep. Ben, who enjoy the fruits of the labor, fruits of their labor, hard work, competency, and then they know when to get the hell out. <laughs> like, yep. They realize when the the waters they're traveling in are a bit too a bit too murky. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's clear to it was clear to us because we like simultaneously texted each other this. This is who really Scott sees himself as. Yes, this character. He yeah. is a yeah, yep. He is the he is the like the guy who's made his way to the top, and he doesn't like what he sees. He's gonna stay at the top. Oh, he's gonna for stay sure. in the game. Oh, for sure. He's not like yeah. He's not abandoning anything. He's not good. abandoning one thing. He knows what he's yeah. good at. Yeah, but he's going to tread lightly. Yeah, and, and at the very like... least, he's gonna keep himself clean. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes he's gonna take control when he sees some bullshit too. And he get if he gets the opportunity, he's gonna like if he sees you're weak. Hey, well fuck look, you. What, <laughs> I mean, look what he did to Kevin Spacey. Yes, <laughs> like, like, he straight didn't, up didn't think you know snap the finger. Yeah, that's yeah, how we're gonna he is, solve God, my yeah. problem. That's how I'm gonna solve my problem. Not your, not your problem, Kevin. My problem. <laughs> yeah, because guess what? You're a fucking clown, and we all think you're a clown. Yeah, and I want a Christopher Plummer to begin with, or at least that's what I'm going to tell people. Yeah, <laughs> I that might not even be true, but guess what? That's what I'm telling. Amazing, Man. absolutely amazing, and you know, and this movie, both these mo- like this has a Gucci to me. Like we brought the counselor a bit, mm-hmm. like. Because Patricia is a counselor character. Oh, yeah. Like, trying to, like, squeeze yeah. away. And it's from the jump. It's from the beginning of the movie. There's no secrets. There's no, like, ambiguity. But what she's doing. And Maurizio's father, Rodolfo, played by Jeremy Irons, sees it. Mm-hmm. Calls her on it. It doesn't yeah. matter. They're still going to do it. Like, there's no um, real suspense to, the, to her intentions oh it's so clear she's like a shark it is like so like uh you know and she sees chum in the water with adam driver with gucci like it's just um it's so uh yeah it's so clear and uh yeah and And i I, you know there's ups and downs to i think that's why this might be a weaker movie Mm -hmm. than all the money in the world i think all the money in the world is more nuanced more rich a richer film for sure 
the joys in this movie come in its frankly its wild camp value yeah it's Not it's heightened reality you know, it's heightened reality of it like the goo like the insanity of it and kind of like i almost wish it was like so i i paused it jeremy irons dies at the one hour mark mm-hmm. um and that's kind of when it starts going a little bit downhill yeah for the gucci family in general uh but before that it's just this kind of grotesque series of like parties and images with this family that has that is so like as another of those rich people quote they think that they're gifted they think yeah. that they're they think that they're like really special oh and um like all seeing and all knowing when really like most of them are like disgusting disgusting people with bad taste yeah. and they're like the yeah and like they're not even like it's, it's so funny that they act like they're um descendants from royalty when al pacino has that hard to hurt with jeremy irons and it's like dude like our dad was a, a bellhop like <laughs> yeah and yeah they, but they do yeah and they have to like all the accoutrements all the like they have to come into town and like give like they go to the town where the cows are raised and Al Pacino has to be like this like benefactor and that kind of thing. Like it's yeah. And it, I mean, I think it all summed up. We talked about it before we came on our favorite, maybe our favorite scene in the entire movie is the introduction of pretty much the rest of the family. Yeah. Which is Al Pacino's Al Pacino plays Aldo Gucci's birthday party where we meet Paulo Gucci played by Jared Leto. Um, <laughs> And they're playing this insane like rugby game, and they're just beating. And Al Pacino's like, "Kill him! Kill him! Knock him down!" And he sends poor Paulo in, who clearly is like the least athletic man alive, to get annihilated. Yeah, and it's just this—he just wants blood sport on his lawn. Yeah, in front of, wants- and while like they gnaw on like chicken leg, turkey legs, and like he's fucking Commodus and Gladiator. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all. And, but going back to that too, Thomas thinks because of where he was born, he's actually special, and he like is deserving of something. He's not, but you know, we found a through line for this dude. That is like, and it's so crazy because it felt so like um, I'm not gonna lie, it felt like I was in the woods with Scott a little bit. It was hard Me finding too. like Me the too. the the, the Z, what it's, it's been these two, these two yeah. movies like summed it up because I think it is because basically what we're seeing is like really Scott worked for what he has yep from not from next to nothing or yeah nothing ish yeah pretty like lower middle class we'll say he's gotten to the highest levels has seen everyone around him in the highest levels and thinks they're full of shit yeah he sees through it all yeah he's like the ultimate operator he like yeah all the dealing and wheeling he does and he getting yeah and because he's lived the life like you can't call him on he has no bullshit he is a man with that bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he's like, says shit like, I'm like I wish I had directed Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Because he's, he's like, like, that's just how he feels. And he see, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. You know? And then, you know, love him or hate him. He can, at the very least, back it up. He can be like, hey, I've at, least, at the very least, I've walked the walk, you know, in addition to talking the talk. Yeah. And, well, it may not make him like this, like, gut level from the heart artist. No. Nah, yeah. Like Martin Scorsese is or 
Ingmar Bergman you're, is. You're never going to get a Tommaso from yeah. Ridley Scott. But, like, Ridley Scott would also, like, say Tommaso's bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah, like, he'd be like, this sucks. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to entertain people. That's what he'd yeah. say. Yes. Yeah. Stop jerking off. <laughs> like, yeah, know. he would literally like. That I think what he, he would, would just... say. That's probably what he would say. <laughs> yeah, honestly, to Apple for error if he just met him in real life. now. Yeah, he'd be like, here's you flick him like a silver dollar and buy yourself something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need a new suit. Here's a, here's yeah, a hey, penny. <laughs> ups and downs, but like it's it's admirable. This like this is his through line, and it's like a very like modern capitalistic through mm-hmm. line that it is about can work and it's about money and it's about status and power Mm -hmm. and what one is you know i mean i always say like what you want from our powerful rich people is for them to remember where they came from and i think he does yep well and it's like power with integrity like i think he wants to maintain like some i think he like wants to maintain his soul yeah. Whatever, whatever that means. I think that's like, and I hear, and I'm saying this is like knowing full well that Ridley Scott is someone who probably does not believe in the existence of a soul in any well, capacity. Yeah, you know, he's <laughs> talked about. You know, we talked a little bit about that on the Prometheus episode, and I think it's something like I think he wants to be an atheist, mm-hmm. but I think he struggles with it. Yeah, I mean, I think he's like, I think he's like everyone else. At the end of the yeah. day, we're like, he's a, you know, and he when he's in the foxhole, you know, he'll probably be praying. Like, like a song. Like, like yeah. honestly, like, yeah. 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 God seems a lot more uh, appealing when you're in that moment, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of that. And especially when you get older, like, in your mortality becomes more, um, I think, yeah. yeah I, mean, I think, too, if, like, yeah, like, I mean, that's, I think, a concern with this whole strike for Ridley Scott. They shut mm. down Gladiator, too. Wow! Shut down good. while filming it, which is the right thing to do. Obviously, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm sure the Paul Mescals and Denzel Washingtons of the world are a little miffed. Well, no, I mean they are. They're they're happy. They're appreciative, rather. Sorry, you know, they're on. They're in solidarity. That's with, good with yeah. the screen actors and so forth. Um, but when your 85 year old director is waiting around, yeah, it is un- kind of like unable the- to work. You know, it'll be yeah. I wonder if any fruits will come from that. Um, you know, that's an interesting because I would love to see like um, you know, I feel like in some ways these movies are weirdly kind of like intros. Maybe not intros, but maybe definitely not Hasaguchi. But I feel like all the money in the world, they kind of like is the closest that like Scott gets to like dealing with stuff that really like you know cares to him. You know, that matters to him. Like this sense of like work and what it does to you. You know, certainly uh, uh, Prometheus in its sequel, like, you know, Alien I think Covenant. Any, any, I think really Scott gets his pick of the litter when it comes to, like, the hot scripts mm. that come through come through Hollywood. And so, whether it's conscious or subconscious, he's picking these scripts for a reason. Mm. They have to appeal to him. It's true. They're not willy-nilly. So, yeah. he's not just like, I got an opening, let's take a job. Yeah, he puts thought into it. He he's he's not like yeah, okay, they're making a new album of the Chipmunks. Let's go to town. Let's yeah, yeah you know, I guess I need something Ant Man four. You know, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. he's not doing that. It these there's a reason for all these, even if it seems little helter skelter as he goes. Yeah. And so I think like 
but it's just not as um conscious or on the surface as mm-hmm. you could see like why you know some of those like we talked about the thematic through lines that a lot of these writer directors in particular have the right. you know the a tourist nature the, yeah there's not the, like it's the obsessions yeah you know? he's well and he's not like yeah he's obsessed with the work he's not obsessed with the uh the the art or the content of the art like he's more obsessed with finding something and getting it done but he's not he's not necessarily trying to figure out something about himself yeah but then as uh, like at the very surface at least yeah not. exactly but then yeah but then like you know like you said like you know he picks stuff for a reason mm-hmm. and yeah inevitably those themes shine through yeah and he can't get away from being commercial he still wants to make money he still wants no, to like he wants, he wants w he wants w's you know he's yeah competitive. oh he's totally well he's like a hundred percent like he wants to like uh he wants people to love his stuff and he wants people to like he wants it to be successful. Like he wants it like he's ne- he doesn't like he's never like he is not an artist for art's sake. He's just not that type of guy. No, it's not screaming at him from the inside of his soul that he has to like You know, they'd say that in like pitch meetings, like you gotta say, why do you why are you the person to tell this story? Well he would say that? Because I'm really fucking Scott. Look at my track yeah. record. Like, I'm the best. At the, I'm the best at this damn job. That's yeah. why he's yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like I will get the job done and I will make you money for the most part. Yeah, I'm a fucking mercenary, dude. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's his. Yeah, that's his. That's his mo. And hey, that, yeah, he's yeah, a merc- he's a mercenary of modern capitalism. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Weird. It's getting weird. Yeah. <laughs> getting funky. Getting funky. I back to House of Gucci though. It's like this. This is like a walk on the wild side. Like, and I think he's. I don't think he's quite comfortable mm-hmm. with how weird some of this movie gets. He's not naturally funny. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Like, this is grotesque mm-hmm. satire. Grotesque satire. He's not like a funny. Like, Matchstick Men was supposed to be his. Like, or all the Goodyear was supposed to be like his funny movies. They're not. Right. They're not light. They're barely light, let alone funny. Yeah. And this go this is this one's depressing, too. Oh, I mean, it's these, super these, grim. These like, are, yeah, these, well, are, gu- e- these are ghouls trying to hang on to their oh, empire. Yeah, and like the, it is just truly like yeah. Even like the, all the funniest moments are are tinged with either disgust or grief or just shame. Like they're just like you um, that like you feel like. You know, you feel simp like you know, um, maybe not sympathy, pity. It's pitiful. Yeah, like you, pitiful. you look at like yeah. a character, like you look at pa- uh, Paolo and Aldo, their relationship, and there is this beauty, and this you have this son who's just a true leaven, and he sticks with them thick, thick and thin. There is something lovable and sad yeah. and pitiful. She also know too that this movie, um, much like the we talk about plot points or characters, mm-hmm. these are real people. Yeah, I think this is way over the top. I doubt that they were like. I kind of doubt that they were this extreme. Oh yeah, Paulo. I think I've read a couple. I remember when this came out. I remember reading a couple articles that, long and short of it, Paulo was a much more normal man than this movie. Jared Leto, <laughs> hey, who plays Paulo, makes choices. Um, yeah, they're all like ultra entertaining. Yeah, Love them. they're hilarious. It's my favorite Jared Leto performance. I texted Patrick. Ben. Yeah, bar none. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. He's a, he's uh, a damn hoot. Like it's yeah. it's a it's, it's you, a, you it's wish a, you was like this in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. 
Monkey Dream. Was, yeah. You are, like, a repl- you are a replicant. <laughs> Where are my eyeballs? Where are my eyeballs? I got to charge up. <laughs> we got this big man. He's named Batista. <laughs> Then you know the difference between Chocolato and shit is Ricky Deckard. This is he cuts the my replicant out of the yeah, bag. Oh, it would have been so funny. It, but yeah. I think like going back to one of the things you said too, which is kind of interesting that I just am thinking about. It. It's like you were like, oh, I want to know more about Domenico uh, Del Sol and Tom Ford and kind of how they yeah did more. They're too normal. Based it's on so how normal. this movie is presented. Yeah, they're just normal they're, guys. They're normal guys. Yeah. They're Ridley Scott guys. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. There's, I don't. I would have said what's the difference between blue and cerulean. Yeah. I'm not a fashion guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. I'm not a, you know, turquoise and teal. They're, they're the same to me. Uh, But mm-hmm. uh, like. Uh, so I don't know what Tom Ford's story is. He might be. Oh, total uh, weird. Controversial. <laughs> I don't know. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, but at least in this movie, he seems very... Well, it, it, the very I like scene... he seems very earnest. And he's trying his best to be a great fashion designer. <laughs> like... Yeah. Well, and also, like, he's like the one guy... He's from Texas. Like, there's so much more yeah. fascinating about him in this movie than uh, flipping... Uh, like, I, yeah, you just... You want to know the story of a weird guy from Texas in this world, in Italian art world. That's, yeah, like, crazy. Well, That's a big I mean, jump. I, I would be curious if Tom, Fo- Tom Ford should make himself a Fableman's type picture. Ooh, the Fableford, uh, Fableford's, yeah. Fableford-mans. The, the Fable Fordmans, the Fable Fordmans, yeah, <laughs> Fablefordians. Grow, grow, yeah, growing up in Austin, doing trio life. So, you know, he's he's running into that uh, cloud of uh, of uh, bug dust. Yeah, bug spray. Yep, but also dreaming about dresses and sport jackets and yeah. hats and you know shoes and stuff. You know? Yeah, what if these shoes looked like these pants? I don't know how fashion think works. Think about <laughs> some. Yeah, all I, when you say shoes, all I can think about is Serpico going to get his set of shoes from, uh, from you know, the old neighborhood. Oh man, oh boy, yeah. Al Pacino's Woo. great in this movie. Speaking of Serpico, he's a yeah. like, Oh, he rules. He's so good. He's a treat. He's so much fun. He's, just he's a always treat. yeah. You know, we you. Know. <laughs> hours of us talking about that shit so yeah. how much we like you we're, yeah we're good yeah we know this guy he's good as you know though this movie huge hit for ridley mm-hmm. 153 million at the box office on a 75 million budget uh it was a big deal on twitter it was meme city but again back to um kind of the cool thing is we can look at this movie now it's just a movie yeah exactly after all this the- the memes are over. <laughs> the millennia, the Zoomers have forgotten this movie ever came out. <laughs> yeah, I think Zoomers have forgotten about Lady Gaga. I think she's mm-hmm. just she's like, you know, she has been in the movie in a while. She's doing like jazz standards for it. She'll be back when Joker comes out and scares the hell out of all of them. Uh, 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 <laughs> too scary. Uh, yeah. Joker. <laughs> should never be in theaters. Uh, <laughs> what if my kid starts jokering? Uh, Joker. <laughs> Um, she'll be back. She'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah, no, she's fine. Yeah, Lady Gaga good. is doing just fine. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I think this movie is a goofy lark, mm-hmm. but with some heavy stuff in it that is interesting. It's kind of my, you know, I think it's a little too um, tonally all over the place. Yeah, it's a little. Um, it's a little. It doesn't kind of know if it wants to play it 
And I think this could be just like a Scott problem. I feel like he's the type of guy he doesn't know comedy super well. And yeah. so like I think it's just tough for him to like uh kind of figure out like do we want to go full clownish endeavor or do we want to actually add a little heft to what's commentary occurring? on this thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think like if they had um Yeah. It's interesting. But all the performances are really fun and good. Yeah. Uh I don't like I I have no problem with any of them. I think even like you know, everyone think from like the more grounded Jeremy Irons and Adam Driver to the wild ones like Lady Gaga and Al Pacino and Jared Leto. Driver's uh, great in it, yeah, for sure. Adam Driver is great in it. He he really like because he's so overshadowed mm-hmm. that first screening. Second time through, you could see kind of like what we were saying. Like it's more it's what he brings to the performance is like showing the like oh Maurizio is like yeah he's got the law degree yeah he's a nerd but he's just as much of a doofus. Yeah. as these other guys he he doesn't like yeah the more you are around this guy and the more of the boneheaded moves this guy makes or sleazeball moves the more you realize oh yeah he's not uh he's not rarefied in any capacity no. he's not like a but he, he's not above it all no ridley scott is not saying like he's like this innocent victim who could have you know that it's you know he's part of all of this yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, not yeah, not justifying his uh, not justifying, yeah, not yeah. justifying what happens to him by any yeah. means. But you oh know, yeah, but uh, he brought yeah, but, but justifying yeah. justifying his removal from Gucci before yeah. that happens. So certainly, for sure. Like he put him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when he shows up with the freaking kutosh. Like, like, you know, it's like, like <laughs> that's yeah, annoying. Just an annoying yeah. man. Uh, how many oh watches? How many watches do you need, man? Yeah, I'm but watching, how many? Yeah, yeah, and I think you know this movie has sixty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, kind of low actually. Yeah, Hasaguchi vacillates between inspired camp and dour drama, too often pull off confident runway strut. But Lady Gaga's no perfect performance is a timeless style all its own. Uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of what we were getting at. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's pretty. That's a good. That's a solid. Uh, that's a solid. Um, Rotten one Tomatoes thing, capsule review. It, really interesting too is lady gaga and her look and kind of the way she moves in it really reminded me a lot of um fellini's wife juliet julieta messina from knights of cabiria and la strada mm. which i was like oh so both movies another connecting point too is their very italian nature yeah for both these two films which i really enjoy as a fan, uh, of, italian, a fan of italian what? cinema yeah and i really like that they commit to like filming on location and like using like you know maybe like in the in the first movie in the first movie they use like a primarily italian cast second movie it's a little like uh it is so funny like house of gucci like it's such a weird but it's such a tough thing when you have to film a movie um start people that speak a different language and like do you uh, get them to do like British accents? Do you get them to do like Italian accents, but they're speaking English? That's like it's t- it's a challenge. I, I think it's starting to stick out more and more each time you see like, oh, it's not in America. Then they have British accents. Yeah, it like in movies or TV shows. It's just um, I wonder if I hope at some point audiences will be more accepting. Like, just everyone speaking their own language. Yeah. We need to be able to like just like yeah. I mean, it's not hard. If to you're read. gonna cast somebody from somewhere else, you know, French like Romain Dury is a French guy playing Italian in mm-hmm. all the money in the world. But you know, 
he does speak Italian in the movie too. <laughs> like yes. he at least you know does the language. <laughs> like yeah, he does the work. Yeah, like yeah, I mean like if Lady Gaga like learned fluent Italian and spoke Italian for all this movie, cool. Give her an Academy Award nomination. <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's um it's a it was nominated for one Academy Award Best Makeup and Hairstyling. I remember people thought that was a um. A snub and flub mm. at the time that only got one. I mm. think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah, totally fine. I think it's like yeah, you know, it's it's fine. It doesn't. It's not the type of movie that lives or dies on awards. I think we're fine. And it's not. No, it's not it's, like yeah. It, it's not going to change the world, man. No, it's, know, it's, this, it's it's this hamburger cinema. This is a hamburger movie. But you know. I think one of the nice things, it's an adult, it's a movie for adults. Yes. Still, it's a fun movie for adults. It doesn't have, you can make movies for adults that are not just awards movies. Yeah, it doesn't kids... have to just be awards movies and like kids movies. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like we are in this point where like, yeah. And it gets back to like when I saw all those trailers and literally every movie geared towards adults nowadays is just like getting the same like five. 80 uh, actors from the 80s and early 90s to like do retreads uh increasingly poorly shot retreads yeah. of the same and it is just like we need these type of movies to let's like make more i think we want just stories <laughs> you know what I mean? like literally it's not that big of a bar just story that's all i want <laughs> we're not alone though man this whole barbie oppenheimer thing yeah it's clear everyone wants stories yeah Never- we, want we just stories. want stories. We want, please. Because, like, even, like, it's so funny because, like, well damn, done you know the, Yeah, you know the bar is low when, like, Barbie is, like, like the... And I say that as, like, Greta Gerwig does a great job in that movie. I think it was... I think that there are elements in that movie that were extraordinary. Yes. Well, and what's so fascinating about that movie to me is that it's, like, it is, um... It is so clearly for like the parents and the moms. Like it's it's like not a movie for the kids in the slightest. Like the person who has the arc is America Ferreira. And she's great in that movie. Yeah. yeah. No, I I was so nice to see her outside of TV to get a shot. Uh yeah. shot at the plate on the big screen again and hit a home run. Yep. Both are worth seeing. You've already everyone but we we all every, know everyone listening to this has seen both of them already. So yep. unless you know extenuating circumstances but it is fun we're hitting the home stretch here mm-hmm. with these with these movies um go back and listen to our other Tasuguchi episode for more in-depth moment by moment analysis <laughs> i just don't think it's necessary for us to retread the entire damn thing there's a lot to yeah. it um, we're good we don't need to do that but both are worthy of if it's your first time watching either of these two movies or if you've seen them before worth a second glance I think both these movies, and I think they are key to the Ridley Scott ethos, persona, whatever you oh, want yeah. to call it. I think both. It's part are... of like, yeah, they're 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 integral to like uh, figuring out his. Um, if you want to kind of figure out his uh, the like the key behind his oeuvre, the thing that kind of like um, the defining theme, his raison. <laughs> yeah, his raison d'être. <laughs> Uh, but if you disagree with us and you think these are just two mid-level stinkers, which, <laughs> all the power to you. I mean, yeah. I see, uh, 
I see your point. I guess you could certainly see yeah, certainly I an mean, argument can be made that they are just middle brown stinkers that yeah. should be forgotten and more of the same from old Sir Ridley. Check in with us at the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at the Academy. I think we have every reason to overthink this. We've been doing this for like a year. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We, when you've been thinking about this for this long, hopefully some of our listeners are on the same boat. You're losing your minds over this, too. We only got one more Ridley, though. Yep. As it stands. But first, (laughs) in a classical. Academy, Ooh. Academy trans, uh, tradition. We've got some digressions. <laughs> digressions within digressions. Digressions within digressions. Within digressions. <laughs> <laughs> two, the one we got two weeks from now is just Patrick and I shooting the breeze on the text messaging. And we're like, that sounds fun. Ooh. Um, Next week, though. Part one in our new series. The Vulgar Auteur. The Further Adventures of Michael Bay. And we got a doozy for mm-hmm. you next week as we get into it with 2003's Bad Boys Part 2, 2005's The Island, and 2007's <laughs> Transformers. Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my tummy. Oh, no. Wowie zowie. We got some <laughs> movies here. <laughs> uh, Island, I'm excited about. That looks fun. All of these uh, movies are like two and a half hours long. Oh no! Well. So just... have you have you started Transformers yet? No, I'm. Tra- I've watched Bad Boys Two in the Island already, but uh, Transformers, I'm. <laughs> I need to. I just need to tear that band aid. It's like yeah. Uh... Well, hey, we suffer for the art of this podcast. <laughs> We're doing the work right now. It's a necessary evil for all of us. Yeah, maybe, we got maybe? it. Is, yeah, Jen. Maybe, would, yeah. If Jen was feeling better, she'd stick her head in here and be like, "It's not." You're doing no. this all by choice. You're not being paid for this at all. <laughs> yeah, you, you are. You are. You are self-harming. <laughs> You're this is self-harm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, though. I've not programmed any other Transformers movies. I can't bear. Uh, I can't bear. Yeah, them, but they're just pretty. It. Yeah, I think that is that. just like the nadir of. We'll get, uh, the, that we'll, get the, we'll, we'll get. We'll get the gist of it. Yeah. I doubt and... he's making any profound leaps between Transformers two and three. Yeah, although like maybe like one, you know, I will. Uh, I'm gonna knock on wood and just hope that maybe there's something there to. I mean, Bay, like, there's interesting this stuff. Be the there's first. Some... This will be the first time we get like a just a boatload of emails. Watch more Transformers. <laughs> yeah, watch Revenge <laughs> of the Fallen. I love, I love Revenge of the Fallen. Doing I'm this over... all, doing this all for you, audience. We'll do it. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, all of these movies can be rented or on disc. I noticed too. Got to pay for all of these. Oh God! I know God, the tax. Know. We're taxing ourselves. No, write, write, write this one off. Like John yeah. Paul Getty. Gotta yeah, we gotta. Off. Yeah, we gotta get that to hinge. We gotta get his lawyer on the line. <laughs> yeah, he's got good lawyers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that'll be an interesting time next week with those ones, for better or worse. We're doing it. But the week after that. I know we're just coming off a of vacation here. We're giving ourselves a nice little treat. Ooh. Patrick brought up how much fun we had during we were doing these classic episodes the last few mm-hmm. weeks. And one of the ones we immediately like keyed in on that we wanted to re-release was our initial Willem Dafoe tribute episode. A banger. A good, good time. Just a yeah. nice time talking Dafoe. And Patrick came up with a lovely name for it, a dash of Dafoe. <laughs> which just I love. Just a dash of Defoe. 
We're doing it again. A Dash of Defoe Part 2. Before we get into the final finales of the really Scott era of the show, three Willem Defoe, fi- Defoe flicks. And I was looking it up. We picked three um, <laughs> not particularly friendly to our audience to join us in the fun on. Um, <laughs> friendly to 19, us. 1985. The late, great William freaking masterpiece to live and die in L.A. Ooh. Not streaming so do that as you will it's available yeah. they just actually kino lorber studio classics just released it on blu-ray and 4k so you can get it there if you're you could rent it somewhere hopefully you yeah. buy an old dvd Ho- hopefully if I borrow a friend's copy who knows yeah be creative yeah get creative steal it Steal it! Steal it! Steal it! You do a do a do an all the money in the world. Find your local William Freak. William Freakin would tell you to steal it. Yes, put mm. it that way. He would say, "Steal it! It's a masterpiece." He would. All right, be a king. Oh my all right, god! All right, he did a true king. One of the best of the to best. do it. Yeah, yeah. literally. Yeah. Uh, but it gets harder from there. As 1988, we take a look at the action picture off limits. Which there's an out of print DVD that's quite expensive. <laughs> it is not streaming. Nowhere. It's um. So I bought it off of eBay recently on video cassette. Patrick and I are going to be getting together in person to yeah. watch it together. That's I'm... how we're going to be doing this one. Yeah, um, you got to. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like yeah, you gotta find a find a. Uh, a, a a troll under a bridge that has a big video collection. There, it might be on YouTube or something yeah. like that. Like, I feel like that's 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 plausible. It might be on one of the um, torrents. Is that what they're called? Yeah, but yeah, you go on Streamio. There's some websites you can if you're a uh, if you are one of those type. Of, not saying you should do that. That's uh, bad. Yeah, Never do get, it. But get creative. It's get creative. Held, it's being held hostage by Disney and Fox. It's one yeah, of those it, movies. It's almost like people do that because uh, these companies are keeping these like films that need to be shared with the world uh, unfairly. You're uh, uh, um, incapable of easily purchasing. Who knows if it's good and if this VHS I bought doesn't work, we're all screwed. We'll find yeah. we'll find out shortly. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're watching Platoon. Who knows? Yeah, know. it might, yeah, it, it might be. Yeah, it might very quickly turn into Platoon, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> which is very readily available. Yeah, Laura, as I've threatened before, American Dreams, where yeah. Willem Dafoe plays a Dick Cheney uh, uh, analog. Infinitely um, weird. Final film of the week. Movie 1992's Light Sleeper. Ooh, Light yeah. Sleeper is on Tubi. So there you Thank go. Thank you, Tubi. Tubi so, does the work. They're so, really. But no Blu ray in sight for Light Sleeper. Just a crappy DVD is all that remains available there. Injustice. Paul Schrader's great film there. Um, Criterion, what are you doing? Stop sitting on your hands, yeah. Criterion. It'll be, yeah, this is this is a Criterion yeah. special if there Criterion, ever was one. You know, Lorber, one of you guys. Yeah. Get in, get in there. Get vinegar dirty. syndrome, come on. Yeah, come vinegar on, syndrome, on. come on. Uh, Shaft factory, uh, not yeah. your thing, but <laughs> maybe I yeah. don't care. Do it. <laughs> but it's good. That's going to be a very fun time. Before we head into the finale, our final really Scott movie is going to be the last duel. Napoleon mm-hmm. obviously not released yet, mm-hmm. so 
will be 27 for 27 mm-hmm. for Ridley Scott. <laughs> oh my god, incredible. And we'll the do Phoenix? a rundown of all the themes, we'll do a countdown of all 27 movies to see where they rank on our per- personal lists. It's going to be a cr- that one will be crazy. The Ridley Scott yeah. we got so much more wild fun to come in our it, in this weird like, world and we promise someday we'll actually do one of the brackets with an actor again. Maybe we'll we'll think yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it someday. Someday. Yeah. We will do it. Yeah, and who we have some we're, we're we're throwing some ideas around. We have some fun actors we're thinking about. Indeed. Yeah. So, oh, Patrick, I am done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll what see you. It? See you next week on the Academy Academy. I love my dumb son. Oh, my son. He's so stupid. He's so stupid. He's so stupid. He's smelly. He's so smelly and he has such stupid metaphors. I am a, like a chocolate. And you are like a dog of shit. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, it, boy. It, Jared Leto should be banned from Italy. <laughs> <laughs> he should be hunted by... <laughs> Italian government. Uh, <laughs> illegal to hunt Jared Leto in Italy. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly.